can make them fly or jump or crash your wall. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. Each sold separately. Superman, Batman, Incredible Hulk. You can make them do their thing. Even make Spider-Man slide down a string. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. These superhero action figures each sold separately. Batman, Superman, Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Man each sold separately by Mego. Yes, we made it. <laughs> we made it. I, 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 I got a little lost there around eight. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, know. I, know. I, I saw you starting to wander away, so we had to grab hands and, <laughs> and bring you back. Thank you don't, so much. Don't fall asleep. Stay with me, man. Yeah. You know, that used to happen to me when I was really little. I was so hyper at like the uh, grocery store for a minute. You remember the Mike Myers skit on Saturday Night Live where they have him, um, like the kid hooked up to the jungle gym? No, no. Uh, no. It was a real. I was. Somewhere. I was not really a. I've never really been a watcher of uh, Saturday Night Live on anything approaching a regular basis. Yeah. He was but, more of a wheel watcher. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> not even. But uh, but but the That's last time I watched joke. Saturday Night Live uh, with any like sort of intent was yeah. uh, way back when Dennis Miller was doing the Weekend Report. Well, that was around that this time. It was like you know when Mike Myers. It was, I, I guess think it was, right I think it was slightly that, before Mike Myers over. joined. But that's what I did when I was little. I was so hyper, my mom would have to keep me like a little tied to the cart so I couldn't run away. Oh, so like gosh. I start booking, and then like you know, the, the I would s- stop fast because the cart would like ricochet me, and then like, it would just move an inch. <laughs> Dion's know, off the leash. Yeah. So they had me like you know tied on. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, those are the good old. I think days. that's where they uh, got the phrase "tie one on." Tie one on. Yeah. Who knew that one was in fact Dion? Dion. Yeah. 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 And then you tie. Yeah. But that that sounds like a foreign logo. Tie one on. So oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Tie one yeah. on. They make good products. Yes. Yes, yes. They do. Yes. They just make such damn good radios. Shitty cable cable company though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, welcome. This is this is uh, a real rarity here, and this is fun and exciting. Uh, it, we're here for Saturday night movie sleepovers. I'm Dion Baya, and I'm joined by two of the most um, prestigious and intellectual um, minds on the Eastern Seaboard in Are the Northeast. Yeah, I was yes, going to, and you also have me and Jay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm joined by um, uh, Jay Marcus and Brian Zeno. Hello. Hi. And the three of us form the Podwits. So, Jay uh, Marcus, say hello. Hello. And then Brian Zeno. Hi there. And then it's me, Dion Baia. And this is. Are um, you going to say hi? Hi. And okay. you are? And I am Dion Baia. Oh, and we are all And here. you are? And, I, <laughs> and you are? Because we're all blindfolded. We don't know what the hell's going on here. And, and, and uh, who are you? <laughs> yeah, but who are you really? Yes. No. Yes. It, 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 we're, trying, cl- we're trying to get a little deeper than that. Yeah, I don't like, know. I'm it's too young of, to make these decisions. <laughs> it's like the end of Clue or something, right? Like an Agatha Christie play. Well, who are you? Oh, what um, a great movie that is. No, oh, Clue's amazing. Have you done that on this podcast yet? No, we have not done that. That would be an excellent one to do. 
it has certainly been one that we've thought about doing. And uh, there's just, you know, our mantra has become, you know, so many movies, so little time. No, that's fair. That's it's very, very true. Very because true. Because we, we only come out by uh, weekly, and uh, this is actually going to drop as a special. It's going to be like a sidecast, oh. which we, you know, originated on our podcast, The Podwits. Yes. By the way, and, you, uh, did, you did Super Fuzz, though, right? No, we have not done oh Super Fuzz. God. Yeah, it's the only Borg Nine movie to this moment. I'm sad to say we've done as far as uh, is the Black Hole, um, and uh, well, and, a fi- we, and that's a fine one. That is an excellent yes, yes. one to have done, and that was probably my envoy into uh, the uh, Man, the Myth, the Legend, Ernest Borg Nine. I think mine so, too, frankly. Uh, well, but I thought maybe the two of you grew up with Super Fuzz. I did. I, I actually, remember. I, I will say it was Super Fuzz. I think for me, then Airwolf, then back to the Black Hole. Yeah, see, that's another thing that people are like, well, how did you know all these, you know, these celebrities growing up to, like, you know, recognize them other things? And I'm like, well, because, you know, they were, I guess, around. You had Borgnine in the black hole, and then Airwolf was a staple in the 80s, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, yeah, and, sure. And that's the same thing, I'm, I'm sure, where you can, you know, like George Pappard with, you know, him at Breakfast at Tiffany's or whatever, and then he's in the A-team, you know? Or the other way around, if you're me. I was you saw gobsmacked. Him. I was gobsmacked when I learned that he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I was like, what? Uh, I, I got to say, I was gobsmacked when I bumped into Banachek, like years later. I was like, oh my God, he had his own like full TV series before the 18th. My oh, wife yeah. and I have come to love Banachek, and it's a weird so obsession good. because it's a great show. It's it's such a gem to find, but you're really rooting. He's kind of a dick on the show. And you're An anti-hero, for him. huh? Yeah, but he's like a MacGyver meets like pompous. You know, he tells you these polish proverbs which at first you think they're you know they're oh this is stupid they're made up you know that and they make no sense but then you go research them and they're actually polish proverbs he's saying but they're just it's it's they're not even like charlie chanisms you know they're very like you know the blue i, I can't even begin jay do you know any offhand of these i polish think that proverbs? there was one where he said um how many does it take to screw in a light bulb yeah yeah something like that i'm, I'm actually right. looking at a list of them right now um, see, there you go. If yeah, you're not, if you're not sure that it's potato borscht, there could be orphans working in the mines. Yes, yes. You see? <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? That That is an actual Banachek Polish proverb, yes. he said. It's hilarious. <laughs> but my point is that he would, the, 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 for people who had never seen the show, is that he would come on as a private like uh, investigator for insurance fraud, and he'd end up um, like solving this like elaborate MacGyverin kind of theft or set up mm-hmm. or, or missing you know missing persons or whatever the hell usually it was like uh properties and uh then he would always just bed the lady like she the whole she was so oh. against him the entire episode but then at the end she's like fine you know what your your, your uh your wares are working on me and then they would just go have sex and like you know my wife would be like come on he's he's been horrible to her the whole time he's been such an animal but that to was her. that was that was part of i mean you 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 think back to to that kind of that kind of show that, that that they really don't make anymore. But uh, like, I always think of Knight Rider. I yeah. mean, every yes. week it's a different lady, and it's like, and he didn't have any problem getting them. You know, it's not like you know that was like just a side thing. It was like it was all like almost obligatory. It was in hindsight, it's actually kind of silly and even like awful in a in a, in a way. But at the time, it was just so standard operating procedure that. Well, you don't uh, even see shows like that anymore where you've that's got what like, I'm one character going from... Just, uh, no, even just going from town to town. Yeah, True. Like yeah, episodic. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the... I guess that would explain away, you know, um, Mr. Knight with Kit. They would leave the town and go someplace else. Especially, yeah, and never look back. But you wouldn't really see any r- romances with, like, face. But uh, people like MacGyver, like, lived in an apartment, but he'd go on assignments. But he had mother issues, too, which turned him into, like, a womanizer. And then, you know, certainly with Michael Knight and, uh, you know, like you're saying, even, like, I guess a Bill Bixby, who was, like, 
like the yeah, 18 exactly. or loner yeah. Yeah. going uh, th- from that's town to a, town. I, I, think, I think actually that that is, a, that is a, a sad thing, that no one walks to Earth anymore. <laughs> Not well, like why was, John Kane. <laughs> I mean, it was like, uh, what was it? The Fugitive, I think, was probably one of the first to, to, to kind of pioneer it just quite that well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. sure, you, you had the Westerns where you would do that, too, you know, sort of going from town to town. Well, what about like a Route 66? Yeah. I mean, you, okay, yeah, none of yeah. those kinds of shows exist anymore. It's all, they, you need these ensemble pieces with, you know, a, a wide cast of characters that are there every week. And a running storyline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just yeah. bizarre. Even the procedurals, you know, it's like you still have a very large cast to, 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 that, that is back every week, and you don't go anywhere. I mean, you... You go to like all the surrounding towns, but that's about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, the procedurals have become like a big spectacle for some. Uh, there's a, like a subgenre oh, well. of that where they they've become these glorified like you know like musicals almost. Yeah. But then yeah. some of the procedurals now also you have the they they'll have their episodic stories or their anthologies, but then they would start entering an overarching thing like where Jack Webb would never want that. He never really wanted that much of personal life. He wanted all realism. So it's just the facts, how the, man. Yeah, how the audiences evolve. Yeah, very true. Yeah, um, but we're here because it's Christmas time, and um, I was thinking to myself, I wanted to talk about toys because I love Christmas. Now, 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 we all know you don't think, Dion. I know we don't do too much thinking at all. <laughs> and, and, and I was thinking to myself, who? What a wonderful world to 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 get to get people to hang out with is to talk to them about toys. So I said, you it's know true. what? I haven't talked to my friends in so long. Let's get together and let's just wax about Christmas toys and toys and childhood and all kinds of um, heavenly goodness related to mm. to plastic mm-hmm. and metal objects that could cause you a lot of harm if swallowed wrong. Yes. Wow. <laughs> which, which, of okay. course, was always the sign of a good one. It really yes. was. Yeah. Or the lead paint on it. Yes. Well, I, I didn't know from lead paint. I didn't know from lead paint. Um, and I was never really a big one for sticking shit in my mouth to begin with. You know, it's like I've, I know I've heard my whole life that that's something that kids do. But as near as I yeah. could tell, that was not that was not something I was big on at, I had at one. that stage of my life. I remember very clearly there was one when I was younger. That, and I don't understand what happened. Uh, I had, I guess, at the height of the A-Team popularity, they came out with a Mr. T figure, which, interestingly enough, I still have. Um, uh, but it was... Get uh, out of town. I swear. I, was, I cannot believe that you have held on to an action figure this long. That makes no sense, Jay Marcus. This is, None. This is filled with a lot of irony, because our <laughs> listeners will not know that... Jay Marcus almost has a museum in his house. Yes, oh, yes, <laughs> and uh, and we're actually going to include as an extra in this podcast uh, if people go watch a little segment that Jay Marcus was a part of, where they brought a uh, a collector and historian to his house to just evaluate what he had, and, and there was even some stuff the guy was you, you blew the guy away with. We like had some were, nice treasures. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, "Holy sh- crap!" or "Holy shit!" He's like, you know, because it was TV. It was yes, crazy. yes, <laughs> you can't know, say was, certain things on TV. Yeah, and he was like, you know, so yes, you were a purveyor of the. Uh, of the our childhood, which is amazing and great, it was it was fantastic. But at, at back to Mr. T is you know he's wearing the blue vest and everything and then molded like gold chains on his neck. But the thing that got me and I guess I, again I was a kid and he's like um, GI Joe size, right? No, no, he was he was I'd say he's about like uh, maybe six inches tall, yeah. six or seven inches tall, and oh. he had a molded mohawk at the top. Uh-huh. And his head was sort of like that sort of soft rubber, almost like doll like material. And so I remember, and I don't know why, because I should have been old enough that this wouldn't have been a thing, but I just started chewing on the mohawk. <laughs> it and was then all weird. that paint came right off, and it became, like, the color of his skin? Kind of, yeah. 
Uh, I can see. I got. He's got to be like I think relatively close by. Let me see if I can just take a that look. I, re- I remember to this day. I don't know why. It's, there's some commercials you remember the jingles of, and I remember that like. Um, it's like each one was an ace. They all come with accessories, rifles, and gear. When trouble's afoot, you know the A team here. We're the A team. Like that was like their little jingle, and I, I always wanted their van. I never got it. Okay, I got. I have him right here. <laughs> oh, good lord! He was in arm's reach. Now, is, knew, it, now, yes, now, is there is there all this dried J. Marcus drool <laughs> on the uh, top of it? Well, there there is uh, possibly you know if you ever want to clone me, this is where you want to go. <laughs> That's where you want to go for the um, DNA collection. And it's funny yeah. we we haven't also for full disclosure to the to the listeners, we haven't at all prepped ourselves for what we're talking. No, about. no, That's this why is, we're, this yeah, is, we're, going, we're going around the houses a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that yeah, ever. Yeah. Uh, no, so yeah, uh, he's. Uh, he, he's still getting. Uh, actually, he looks remarkably good given his age. I'll tell you that. His, <laughs> his his joints are a little loose, but other than that, he's looking pretty good. He's together. Yeah, is his thumbs are still on him? Uh, yeah. Well, he's got two fists, and one has a hole in it where clearly, I believe, he used to hold something. I want to say it was probably a gun, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah. but um, a yeah. wooden I mean, uh, AK. What's really funny was I also had, I think, at that age, a Rocky Balboa figure that was roughly the same height. So I never oh, used him as BA from the A team. I always just had him fighting Rocky. He was oh, always wow. a. Um Oh God! What was his name? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, and oh, I oh, keep oh. coming up with Crusher Creel, but that's the I absorbing know, man from, Mar- from Marvel it's, Comics. Um, um, I forget oh, his name oh. too in, in, in uh, Rocky Three. Oh my God! Clubber Lang. Clubber yeah, Lang. So much. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, my host uh, partner uh, Jay Blake will be very mad at me uh, <laughs> because he's a huge Rocky fan, so I should know all these these facts about Clubber Lang and all that. And he, he's basically why uh, Mickey passes away in Rocky yeah, Three. That yeah. bastard. He's so mean. He goes from sitting on Nancy Reagan, sitting on his lap, to being such an evil villain in, in Rocky Three, or maybe it's a reverse. I don't remember. Pain. Well, yeah. you know, can I? You know, I'm sorry, not to derail us because you know we that never happens. Um, but, um, what? I, just, I recently rewatched that film, and I it, it occurred to me how insane it was that Hulk Hogan is not only in the film. But uh, that they call his character Thunderlips. Yes. Yeah, he's he's it's like an exhibition match, right at yeah. the beginning or something. Yeah. He did. But yeah. who the hell? Like you, Stallone was just in there, was like I need a name for a wrestler. So how about Thunderlips? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like seriously. But the amazing the thing was do? that was my that was the first time I'd ever seen him. Believe it or who, not, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Oh, really? Me too. I I think I'd seen him. Well, well, I don't know why. That's a good point. I think I knew him at the time from watching wrestling and then maybe I saw Rocky because by that time Rocky 4 was out so maybe then since you guys are slightly older than me they started rerunning and that's how I, I knew him and hey Hulk's in Rocky 3 you know but that was certainly during the fad of the 80s when you had for Christ's sakes um, you know, Saturday morning cartoons of the wrestlers you know what I mean it was so no, incredible true. how, that's, how, how that's far true. ahead we now, did here was the amazing thing about Mr. T in Rocky 3 and um, it, it just he was like both Clubber Lang and um, B.A. Baracus were, to all intents and purposes, Mr. T. Mr. Yeah. T wasn't so much an actor. He was a character that you plugged into your production, and if you had to, gave him a different name for whatever reason. But really, both of those characters were Mr. T. It was Mr. T in, playing Clubber Lang. In retrospect, I disagree. Now that I've seen the film again more oh recently, my, there's okay. No, no, there's definitely a harder edge to him. Obviously. Yeah, he's evil. Well, right, that's, he's that's like his a, mean side. Yeah. But you know, no, no. I but that's, what is, I, I think that his public persona, the, the the Mr. T that we came to know and love, starting with with the A Team and moving on, I think 
is very a closer much. to TNT. The um, remember the, the the court show he had in the late eighties, yeah. where he was the <laughs> I forget what he was. He was the uh, maybe he was like the private investigator for the woman who was like the prosecutor or the lawyer. It's, I don't even remember that. I you don't remember, remember that. The, it, was, no. it was it was a show I saw it on Saturday morning, so it, like around like say noon or one when the uh, cartoons would end. Yeah. So I'd assume maybe it was already in rerun or syndication. It was called TNT, maybe. And it was like um, I pity the fool that thinks that that's <laughs> well, he's not in, what like, he's a nice like. Suit. He's in a nice suit and he's all nice. And it's like, and uh, he's working with a lawyer doing legal problems and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I'll have to get an assistant to look up the name of the darn thing. Mm, mm. Um, but anywho, uh, we should also include a picture, Jay, uh, yes. of your of your Mister T because you have uh, you can supply us with one. Yes, so, absolutely. And uh, he's like I said, he's in remarkably good shape. And by the way, he has. On his left arm, it is. I didn't realize that there was a tattoo that says "BA" on it. Uh, so this was definitely the Mister T, uh, the, yeah, the, the eighteen Mister T. The Mr. T. It says. It says uh, well, actually, no. I take it back. Uh, I made that up. It says T. <laughs> you made that up. T C R Mister T, as it says. Oh, so okay. It goes into some sort of a lore for it too that we don't yeah. know the the backstory to. But he's got, uh, yeah. It, it, like I said, his, his knees are a little loose, but other than that, he's in remarkably good shape. And you know, like I said, is you can you'll see in the picture the his hair is obviously losing color for yes. obvious reasons, but because it's all in your belly. Yes, and by <laughs> the way, it is still there because that stuff just doesn't go away. Yeah. Well, it's 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 so you have I, in thinking about doing this like podcast with you guys, I was yes. thinking like. On a Christmas morning, you think of all the toys that you know. You, that, that this whole big marketing campaign that they came out with—they would just lure toy uh, kids in to buy these products by like cartoons and stuff. Oh, yeah. and then you have yeah. these big waves of kind of like um, obsessions for people of like you know what you have to get the hot toy that year, and then you know if your kid you crush your kid's like ego for the rest of his life or his personality because that morning he wasn't able to get what his best friend was able to you know procure. And it's amazing how we've. I, I don't know. I guess it's still to that level nowadays, but I don't think it, it always seems like we say this, but I don't think kids even realize back then how crazy some of these fans and these these things became. Well, I I was never really aware of it. I mean, truthfully, that whole phenomenon of the hot toy that you know you just had to have, or your life as a parent was over, that you just had to get the kid, <laughs> or your, you know whatever. Um, I did was not. I didn't really think about that sort of stuff until I was a lot older. I think the first must-have toy that I was ever really familiar with, I think, was the Furby, maybe. Um, you had a Furby? No, I didn't have one, but when they were hot and they were being talked about as, you know, oh, this is the must-have gift of the season. This is the hot thing. It's amazing. They're sold out in some places. Parents are really struggling because they feel like they have to get this. Like, that whole phenomenon of the must-have toy for the mm. season, I think the first time I was aware of that was when the Furby was the hot toy in question. I'm not saying it never happened earlier, but if it did... Um, what year is the Furby? I think that was the 90s. Well, see, I, I, I'm not sure. I see, I don't know, because I can't speak for, for you, uh, per se, on this on this point, but, I mean, I think we, we know that the first one in our collective lifetimes had to have been the Star Wars toys in the initial run, in that first run when the movie first came out. 
that the demand for them was so high that you know the, that they had to give out certificates saying you know an IOUs. <laughs> they gave out, see, I was not aware yeah. of any of that. Is that yeah, Christmas absolutely. morning they gave out pieces of cardboard with promises that you know we don't have the toys re- yet for you, yeah. but it's like a it's like a bona fide rain check. You will have them as soon as we have them made and sent out to you. Yeah, because they, they they completely underestimated the the demand for those toys in the first run. Because again, nobody knew how big that film was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the toys were were the hottest things, and they it's one. One of the things that makes Star Wars stand out is like the first actual blockbuster of its kind. You know that it spans media and merchandising, because it's something like this where it's the first time you had a movie tie-in with toys where the toys just couldn't you could the toys were making almost as much as the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, oh, you, you, you might have Lucas. been too young at the time for that to necessarily be in your wheelhouse. Well, I mean, George Lucas was brilliant about that. That he was able to like kind of for, f- foresee that and put a plug in. We just did that a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week. We did the our first holiday special on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Was we did the Star Wars holiday special. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, that's and, 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 it, and it became a very controversial episode because we actually ended up like rating it like three out of five. We really liked it. And that's like almost blasphemy. Yeah, I was going to say. Fans, that's, uh, know, so we're, we're, but, uh, we're looking at the letters already about that. But yeah, that was like the first hey, real, now you're, you know. But, but of the three of us, I'm the oldest. I was the only, I'm the only one of the three of us who was alive to live through that initial yeah. wave you, of so Kenner you, well, action I, figures. Were you playing I was with alive, like, I just wasn't old enough to play with those toys. Were you playing with like freaking like Irwin Allen, you know, in the mid-70s, you'd have like Earthquake and they'd give you like a build a piece of cardboard that you can rumble and kill people and they'd fall to their deaths with? Or No, 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 that one, um, that, both the Irwin Allen productions in general kind of passed me by until I was a little older and also knowing my parents the way I do, uh, those, that that sort of destructive i suppose <laughs> uh, a premise destructively premised um merchandise i think was not something that 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 they would have been getting for me uh, at the time although now you see the thing about the star wars figures just to get back to those for because we are supposed to be discussing toys and i'm reasonably sure that at least some of this uh went on as christmas present uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I had, I wouldn't say an extensive collection of Star Wars action figures because um, I now realize that there was a shit ton of them and I was uh, lagging far, far, far behind. But that said, I did collect them insofar as I could, you know, convince my parents to buy me um, Star Wars action figures. But I rarely, if I'm recalling correctly, I rarely, if ever, actually played with them as toys um this was my first foray into i guess collecting what i recall having for that age i did not have any of the play sets any of the like the the sets um location type things Um, vehicles i don't think i had any vehicles either really Uh, a lot later on fun of those a lot later on when return of the jedi came out which was a lifetime later as far as i was concerned Sure. Um, I think I did wind up with a Y-Wing at some point, and that was a pretty big uh, piece. And it was towards the, and that was towards the end of Kenner's run as the primary purveyor of Star Wars toys. Um, But I did have those. But what I did have, and my primary recollection of my Star Wars figure um, interest and and collection was the collector's case that was shaped like Darth Vader's head. 
I had that too. Right. And because, but what I loved about it, see, and this is the kind of kid I was. So this is going to probably inform all the toys that we talk about going forward. Like it wasn't like taking the figures out and having little stories or whatever. What I got off on as as a little kid was, um, metaphorically speaking, um, was, you know, the fact that you could, you, you had the stickers. So you got to pick where the stickers went, you know, and you got to sl- lay it out. And then, then you had the spaces where you had the figures that you didn't have yet. So it's like, ooh, you know, I have to track down that figure. And that plus... Uh, and I'm sure the you accessories compartment was awesome. And, and then plus you're going to probably remember this. So many of the characters um, that I think were common f- action figures at the time were these minor bit players um, in the movies, I did not realize until many, many years later that, like, as a, for instance, Hammerhead, he yeah. was barely a thing. And he yeah. certainly wasn't named in the in in the movie. So his entire existence as Hammerhead, and I had that figure, and as far as, and so to my five-year-old mind, he was a very important character. But um, dear as I can figure, his entire existence as Hammerhead was based entirely in his existence as, an, as a Kenner action figure. Well, that, and I didn't right know that with, at the time, but that was awesome. That's right up there with Lobot. Yeah, Lobot. Lo- um, yeah, IG eighty eight. Boss. Well, no, Lobot was the with the bald headed guy who was working with Lando Calrissian at Bespin Cloud, Cloud City. City. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, they, uh, they never mention his name, but the little action figure case uh-huh. was the space for Lobot. So, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, oh, this is so, this is so sad. Uh, my my, I, I've said this before many times, but my mother, strategically growing up, uh, made me choose two franchises to collect because <laughs> she didn't want to just go balls out on everything and I guess it's very wise now you look at it like as a parent but back then it was devastating so because of that I, w- I only collected Transformers and G.I. Joe mm. I never got any He-Man and I never got any Star Wars uh, or Mask I mean I got other Ooh, little bits and toys Mask was when I was a little Wheels, older like I was I, I was definitely older than the than the than the uh, target uh, uh, demographic for yeah. Mask but that said they they were friggin' gnarly when they were new. I thought that was the that was probably at that time, probably my favorite thing going at that time. And that was when Thundercats was out, and I it was like them if, either. If Sunset. I if I had the choice, like at that time in my life, if you had asked me Thundercats or Mask, it would have been Mask seven days a week and twice on Sunday, man. Yeah, Mask was an amazing show. I mean, but it's just the phenomenon that, that this created, where you have so many. You think, I mean. I guess with the exception, I can't really think of Thundar having like uh, action figures. But yeah, no, of, no. The, the, but you think the, of all those action figures the during the mask time. Yeah, well, then, you know. Can we step back? Somebody posted something like this online, and again, I didn't realize it until it was said. How many like R-rated or just like really adult films got action figure lines and cartoons or or both is that you had at some point you had the Terminator had action figures you Rambo had Al- Rambo aliens had yeah. had action figures and I mean like you know chest bursters and everything you had a oh, RoboCop RoboCop had a cartoon show and yes. action figures yes and, and comic like, book too yeah yeah and that would never happen nowadays they'd be like no way this is too adult you can't do that for kids well yes and no I mean the thing is even well, yeah, back probably, then yeah yeah even back then I think you uh, there was a distinction 
between an R-rated movie like, say, Aliens, which was the kind of R-rated movie that you would take maybe your emotionally capable children to, and mm-hmm. another R-rated movie like, say, um, uh, a Porky's or even like a Kramer versus Kramer, which was just, it wasn't for them. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. all R-rated movies were not created equal, and I think the movie companies and toy companies were definitely aware of that. Well, also there was a distinction that also back then you think about, which has changed now, is that they were making toys solely to market to children. And, mm-hmm. you know, you were kind of a weirdo if you were an adult or someone of an older age that would collect unless you were in the, you know, the maybe the business. But nowadays, I think with the advent of making you know the the comic book companies with the resurgence realizing uh let's market them to the adults that we were marketing to them back in the 80s or 90s or even with the Todd McFarlane toys mm-hmm. and uh you know they, they evolve now where you have like entertainment weekly or not entertain uh entertainment earth i mean and you have these things where you go into like these stores like a uh uh, it was like a Spencer's or even, you know, beyond that. The, and they you can buy any kind of figure you want for, for someone our age, you know. And it's just, it's such a different world where I could never see my father as a, as a you know, like a, a parent buying any kind of toys or those kind of things and putting them on the wall, you know. By the well, way, can I point out before we <clears throat> get too far afield, what I loved, by the way, about the RoboCop figures was I'd never seen this before. The action figures had um, like a cap thing on their back, like an old mini backpack that yeah. you would feed paper caps into and you'd uh. pull the trigger and it would shoot, it, it, it would fire off caps Yeah. so you would have Robocop raise his gun and then you'd hit this thing in the back and it would make like, you know Gun sounds like, but realistic gun sounds with the smoke and everything. And uh, yeah, you know who did that cow. a couple years later was Cops. I don't know if you guys remember. It's one of my favorite childhood shows of the era. Cops fighting crime in a future time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was it was a very like po- it was like a Blade Runner meets um, Judge Dredd. It's 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 a show I would love to see them reboot, or maybe I can even steal that and reboot it. But it's like a, it was a futuristic show with. With a noir. I thought you were talking about Bad Boys, Bad Boys, What You Gonna Do? No, 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 no. This is a cartoon show from like 88. It only ran like a season or two, maybe probably just one season, 65 episodes. I I vaguely remember it. And it was such a good show, but it was very much. unaware of this. No, it's it's like, it's cops, but it's, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, each it's, it's uh, co- you know it, it's it's an acronym for something, and I and See, um, I didn't even remember it until he said fighting crime in a future time, and I was like, yeah, well, yes, that was the I logo, that. but it, like bulletproof was like the uh, the leader. It was, it was you have the cops and you had the crooks, and uh, they were all each, everybody was stylized. It was very romantic, kind of like a film noirish where the the bad guys were all gangsters, and the bad guy with Big Boss was the bad guy, and he had like Buttons McBoom Boom and Berserko and uh, wow. all these really awesome I am characters. Loving these names, and then like the cops you had bulletproof was the was the head cop and he was this um, oh. black guy who was brought into like a detroit to like try to be the sergeant of the city that was falling apart and then in the first in the pilot he gets like almost killed in an automobile accident that like you know because he's holding on to the side of a truck that these the bad guys have um you know like a bank robbery so they're like we can save him but we have to give him a robotic body so he became like the six million dollar man where below his like his chest down was all just like you know he was like an android and then you had and this, so he pervaded over like uh there was like long arm which he had I Jay you might remember this where he had something on his hand where he if you're under arrest and you're running away he'd hit the button and like it would be like a handcuff would fly out 
It's all vaguely, vaguely. I don't think I ever watched it, but I like. Yeah. I was very. It's much a phenomenal aware show. It, yeah. I mean, it's on. It's almost as obscure as. Do you guys remember Jason the Wheeled Warriors? Oh, that is that is. Um, <laughs> listeners to your podcast, uh, Dion, yeah. uh, will not be familiar with the reference. But anyone who remembers the three of us on the Podwitz podcast will remember my uh, references to my wife, the Empress, and yes. that was one of her favorites. There's only been a handful of people in my lifetime who remember Jason the Wheeled Warriors, and I think maybe, you know, three of the hand are you guys. <laughs> See, every time we start talking about this, that always inevitably, for me, brings up Turbo Teen. Turbo I don't remember but, that one at all. See, I remember Turbo Team, but see, Jace would be something that I would go to the store and I always wanted the bad guys, you know, because they were like, uh, it was a plant hybrid show, so the bad guys would be those trucks I always looked out for. But then Turbo Team, I don't think they ever had toys, right? No, because that's really hard to do because the concept was you had a kid who uh, basically can turn into a car. Yeah, he got hot, he turned into a car. When he got cold, he turned back into a kid. And, yeah. and I remember making a joke on. Um, uh, my podcast where it's like you know you think of how many girlfriends or animals he went through by accident oh you know, right <laughs> that ain't right, in the right, car man. and he's like he's like shit or you know he's or jesus if he has groceries in the trunk and then he turns back into a kid and you know where do they end up going he becomes like a drug mule you know but oh. uh, if we can if we can go back just lament let us lament um all the best toys when i was a kid growing up in the 70s all the toys i really wanted um Involved the use of paper caps, and yeah. as a result, yeah. I almost never got them. Um, yeah. So, for, so, so most of most of my most of my I loved paper caps. I uh, and and but but as a child, all I could really do with them was get like rolls of paper caps and hit them. I had a little plastic hammer. You didn't have like a six shooter. Like no, old, like, no, wasn't allowed to have uh, one of those. Cowboys and Indians. So so oh. that's okay. I wasn't I, either. I, um, I I had to uh, roll them out of the like the little paper roll and uh, 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 whack them with a paper with with a plastic hammer and that made them go pop and like a little firecracker and that was my joy of paper caps but real quick um, thus putting the lie to the to the uh, to the phrase you can never go home again um, <laughs> uh, as I um, I I am an uh, avid uh, enthusiastic uh, uh, shooter. Um, enthusiast of the of the shooting sports, and when I the was firearm. first firearms, and when I was getting yeah. into firearms for the first time, uh, one of the great, one of the most joyful aspects of the experience was when I would go to the range, and when I realized the smell of the powder used in the cartridges just takes me that back. Kind yeah, of just smell. just takes me back to you know the the smell of the discharged paper caps it's yeah. i guess the same stuff that they put in there that smokeless powder kind of stuff and so to like so now like 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 i actually i i went to the shooting range this morning i still smell a little bit like powder and it's fantastic it's like that 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 cordite smell and it's just well, makes commit, me so happy you better not commit a crime <laughs> later today because you then you probably have powder burns all over your hands no no like, yeah, no no fired a gun recently yeah no 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 burns although i do have a couple of stains that uh, that the uh, that the let off um, that the that the special let off cleansers uh, that I use uh, have not been able to remove. So yeah, I've got I've got gunpowder stained figures. I'm a regular uh, Johnny Ringo you back know, here. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a great segue to think about another thing. Since we're like old men, like th- talking about like sitting around a campfire talking about the old days. Children nowadays will never realize walking into a toy store mm-hmm. that we could walk and have a gun aisle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember yeah, that yeah. there was a gun aisle like I in, remember you know, like the Toys R Us or wherever you used to go? It's incredible now to think about. And they always came no, in but like they the, still kind of have them. And I know, but like not like they had like it was almost like going into like a proper Army Navy store and they had like the wooden guns like in the oh, uh, yes, slots. Oh yes. Yes. I had you know one I mean? of those. Those I I had one of those. It was a lever action. Yeah. And uh it had um, the bullet that was like a piece of wood that was on a spring so yeah. it looked like you were always r- putting a cha- you know chambering around. Oh, but the coolest one and I don't even remember like if it was a Christmas gift or what but the coolest toy gun I ever had as a kid. Um, I must have been a little older, so I guess this would have been 12, 13-ish. Um, but it was an electronic gun. It had a little speaker on the side, and when you pulled the trigger, oh. it made like the like it had the sound. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. like whoa. And now, now with with my with my new you know grown up knowledge of models and whatnot, I now look back at it and realize that it was uh, in the model, the shape model was a uh, Browning High Power. But um, it it had the like you just you pulled it and went. You know, and it just it, even like a little bit of a ricochet sound almost. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, that's so cool. And I thought that that made my day when I was a kid. I had one of them. I, I discovered one of them in a like a like a five and dime, like one of those like ones that like it was like, you know, it was the gun was probably in a Bradley's and it went to like one of these clearance stores. Yeah. yeah. And it was all fancied out. It looked like, you know, it, it was like painted like like red camouflage colors. <laughs> but it was a Beretta. And it was the the slide would actually work if you put like you know oh um, really yeah if you put in like um, uh, batteries so you know if you pull it the slide would go you know like and it, would, it would have the whole action a little slowed down I mean it wasn't actually going as fast as a, you know if you you're shooting around off so what I, I did was I took it home and I painted the damn thing black mm. and like you know I mean I wouldn't go outside and point it at people but like it was for me like um, you know when I got into like Clint Eastwood as like a I don't know maybe like in my 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I found like a 44 Magnum water pistol that was like clear that I painted black too. So now I had like a 44 Magnum. You know, it looked exactly like a 44. Uh-huh. It was a water pistol. And then I had this Beretta. I can be like John McClane or like Carlito Brigante and like, oh, you know, and, and play in my basement and, and imagine I'm killing people. <laughs> Which, you know? which, which, which is 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 I guess a, a lot more innocent than it sounds. I mean, even, not to harp on this topic, but like those rifles, like the M ones or whatever they used to give you. Yeah. I mean, you could it, the, it was a solid piece of wood that you can you can kill somebody. You can oh, blunt yeah, force trauma totally. that with a stock. You can beat a kid to death that with this. Oh, you know, forget that. How many wood pinching injuries did you get with those things? You know, they had like the little hammers that actually cocked back and got released when you pulled the trigger. And yeah. the, heaven help you, I don't know a single person like at that when when i was a kid all of my friends we all had them and every single one of us had had gotten that like like our finger caught in there and pinched yeah. and well, and that, that, that trigger yeah. would end up becoming very brittle yeah and it would bend sometimes so it wouldn't work that right so you're really forcing it back and you know it's like it's a little you know it's 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 insane but the whole concept of you have know, a gun aisle in the toy store yeah, yeah or even like you think about um, another segue is like I would go with my friend to the local like I don't know like the it would be a, it wouldn't be a convenience store but like the mini mart I guess yeah even. Yep. or you know the the the, the family owned deli and we get like uh, candy you know mm-hmm. we we'd end up splurging on like three musketeers Twix and like then whatever else we had left was like we put the pennies we put on tootsie rolls but I remember you'd be able to get like big league chew which basically was just encouraging you to like just you know eat chewing tobacco yeah like, just yeah. like you know or the fake cigarettes that were like candy but you can yes smoke oh, out. I Loved them. I always got those. All these vices they were promoting yes. and instilling into you at such yes. a young age. Well, because you know? because they weren't thinking of them as vices. I know. Like but that's what they the were thinking, all they were all doing, were... all they were doing, was correctly identifying how badly children 
wanted to be grown up already. Yeah. And 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 feeding that desire with well, for lack of a better term, props. Yeah. And and I I I, I fell for it every time, man. Every time. Oh geez, it's just such a it's 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 such a, a heyday you'd never see anymore because like I maybe if you say the political correct, correctness of it all or whatever or the the uh, helicopter parenting, but it's just back then there's just so much stuff we'd be able to get away with. Oh that you yeah. just can't today. Yeah, you know. Oh gosh, but so we're talking about we were talking about guns and then we were talking about uh, growing up the cap guns and then that was cops fighting crime in a future time. <laughs> they they had this they used the same things. I so there was this big switch switch where I guess it seemed like in the seventies you had the Irwin Allen kind of like toys and then when Star Wars dropped that changed the face of the world forever. But you did through the seventies have like the big. GI Joes, mm-hmm. or, or you well, had the eighties. The, the, well, in the seventies, you had the you had the the GIO with the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Yeah, and the but real they were hair. like Barbie size, a little bigger, and they were cloth. Wasn't and they it? were like, and they were doing stuff like um, Mego was very big in the seventies. Yeah, but, but the GI Joes were it was they they didn't know really where to go with it. They're like, oh, he, one of them's going to the moon. He's an astronaut. The other one's like a safari guy, or the other one's a polar guy. No, but sorry, actually, not to get not to get caught. But you yeah. know, the, remember the seventies with them specifically Mego was a, a very unique time in the history of toy making because you had one company that was responsible for different genres uh, at the same time, w- you had one company that, on the same packaging, on the yeah. same blister card, had Superman, Batman, Robin, Spider Man, the Hulk, and Captain America. Yeah, that's amazing that the crossovers yeah. they would have the franchising rights yeah. and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and and these were these were all figures. They they had those rubber band type joints, but they were relatively big, and they all had cloth costumes too, which was also somewhat yes. You know that's that nowadays you can't even yeah. get you know a, a a figure with a cloth cape unless you're yeah. really lucky. They I had the molded. I had the Hulk of that version. It I was did too. Like, I did too. It was a hybrid of Hulk or maybe even like a product off of the and, um, and I had Bill the Spider Man. And I remember even at a young age, I found that cloth costume. To be very dissatisfying. Well, like I, I was, was not happy with it. My parents were so mad at it because I guess for some reason maybe I was so young I would take the Hulk with me to like t- uh, take a bath or shower and so his pants would get soaked. Yeah, they were so these I, like purplish pants. Yeah, so what would end up happening is my parents would make me leave the toy in the you know in the bath or whatever to dry and I'd leave it because it was you know and then before long it probably just disintegrated you know because I was doing that so much you know there wasn't really like a last a staying power with that kind of. Um, you know, fabric or material they were using. The one that got me was they had, uh, there were two versions of Batman. The first version, they had a Batman that you actually could take his cowl off. Oh, wow. Mm. And what was really funny is, of course, I didn't have any say in this because I was too young to really care, but my dad, uh, when he took off uh, Batman's cowl, he didn't like the way Bruce Wayne looked, but he liked, I guess, it was Captain Marvel. He thought he was a more, he was a better looking Bruce Wayne, so he actually switched the costumes and put Captain Marvel in Batman's outfit and put the cowl wow. on him, and he thought that was a better Batman. That is that is hilarious. I, That's yeah. superb thinking, though, for that age. I now recall having a Robin, Amigo Robin, yeah. when I was the, a kid. The biggest, the most dissatisfying thing about those those figures, mainly like Batman and Robin and those Amigos, were they, they didn't have gloves, they had mittens. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which I it guess was made it just, very awkward. Yeah, it's a drawback, obviously, to how they were made, and there's nothing really you can do about that because I don't think you can. I mean, you can't get gloves for an action figure, but it just I remember just trying to get them to hold stuff. And well, just, they were like, very they basic, yeah. Because like like you're saying, like because of the how they were, that was almost the accessory they came with was realistic costuming because yeah. they didn't really come per se with any kind of like um, 
guns or you know yeah no so, you weapons know, and, and, or yeah any kind of weapon or whatever and i and i'm hard pressed to think of did they actually have any vehicles to go along with them like did you have there an oversized was a batmobile or there something? was a batmobile actually i had it and it was it was sort of modeled on the 66 batmobile uh just the, the detailing wasn't 100 percent, but yeah it was hard plastic and this is um, Mego for the 70s Mego toys yeah it was a hard plastic wow. black i remember it very clearly it was hard plastic black batmobile pretty much molded there was there wasn't a lot of detailing on it um, it had, I think, the Bat logo stickers on the side, and really that was it as far as, like, you know, colors. I think my dad customized it a bit, and the wheels. Yeah, your dad uh, seemed like the man when you were growing up. Your dad oh was like, God. you know, you, you want this, and your dad would, like, collect the stuff with you. That was amazing. He, you know? I, I tell you, my dad actually gave me, I think, a much better uh, toy experience than most people because when I was a kid, a lot of the stuff I was interested in, there were no toys for. Like yeah. there weren't, there wasn't a lot of really good, for example, Star Trek toys with the ships. You had yeah. figures, but not a lot of ships. So my dad would make the models and then give them to me. Like he'd make me my own model Enterprise, and I would play with it. That's amazing. And you know, wow. like occasionally. Uh, like I would, I, and it taught me at a young age to sort of be careful with my toys. You know, like he's, you know, you don't want to be a kid and just throw it across the room, kind of thing. But I remember, you know, occasionally accidents would happen and the warp engine would break off, and he'd fix it back up for me <laughs> and everything. And it, and it was amazing. And I would have these models to play with instead. And well, that was I, a big thing too. I mean, in, certainly in the fifties and the sixties. And then you know, I feel like I don't know the names of them, but you had that. It was a big kind of. Airplane and car models, and then into like the late 60s, 70s, you had the uh, Aurora, all the, the, the Universal Monsters came oh, out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Aurora you know? And then you even had, I think, um, I don't know if Aurora did like a 77 for Vader, you know, and I have a reproduction of, I don't know who did the, the Vader model I have, because for a while in high school, I was into doing the um, Horizon, Horizon models. Oh, yeah, the, the, I, yeah, so, the vinyl ones, right? Yeah, my, so oh, my poor parents... We're dropping like forty-five to eighty-five dollars a pop on those things, and you know, bless them. I, I put that thing enthusiastically together, paint the shit out of it, and we still have a hair dryer, right? Too. Yeah, yeah. And you'd have to use it. You had to get an, uh, an exacto knife, and you'd have to like you know warm it up to cut it right, and then you'd have to glue it, and then you have to use putty. It was a very involved process to make it look good, and they still have them on display at my parents' house. But I have with those high quality ones, I have like. I have a reproduction of the uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon model, which is really cool. And then I have one that's the Vader one, and it's just very basic where his arms just go up left, right. And he's holding, I think, in his right hand a saber, and the saber is, is a glow. And then his eyes, whatever you put in for his, where his eye sockets are, are the same material. So I guess during the day it would catch, you know, some, it would charge, and then at night, you know, you'd have a little slight, slight glow there, you know? Wow. And I don't remember who did that. Maybe it was Aurora. I don't remember if they no, were. No, it's, it most likely was. They did stuff across the board. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I had a super, an Aurora Superman model, uh, which was really good. It was actually, ba- you could tell it was based on like a Kurt Swan kind of drawing of Superman. My dad actually bought a second one and turned it into Green Lantern, which was kind of wow. cool. And <laughs> then, so awesome. see, that's a, there's another testament yeah. of how awesome your dad was. And, oh, God, yeah. And he would actually, and then um, we also had a, a, a Mr. Spock, a, a, an Aurora Mr. Spock, which is also notable because um, Aurora decided it was supposed to be a Captain Kirk model, and they realized that Spock was more popular than Kirk, so instead of, like, just commissioning a new sculpt, they just changed, they tweaked the, eye, the eyebrows and the ears and the hair. It basically left everything else the same, <laughs> which is why it's so weird that like you have Spock. The Spock model is him holding a phaser, shooting at something. It's like no, because it wasn't supposed to be Spock. It was supposed to be Kirk. You know, that's it's it's uh, it's a, it's a complete side note. But I have like a friend of mine that I work with who's a huge um, 
Halloween fanatic, the, the John Carpenter franchise. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he loves, you know, Mike Myers in particular. So there's, I didn't know there's a sub um, genre of people who go out and collect, you know, these kind of masks. And oh, because it's a William Shatner mask. Well, yeah. well, that's that's what I'm yes. getting at. They have these masks that are the Michael Myers masks that the people are paying upwards like five hundred dollars for, like an authentic mask that looks closely resembles. It's sculpted off of this to look the most like you can get, like say the the first movie or the second movie because it's a little warped in the second movie because of how it was stored between filming or whatever. So they, they, you know, the each movie has a, a specific mask how it looks. I guess like the Jason Voorhees um, hockey masks. Sure, but so I was saying to this kid, well, you know what? If you want to be that original, why don't you try to track down an original William Shatner Star Trek mask and then do your own modification as they did for the first Halloween, and then you'll have like the most original Mike Myers mask you ever can find. Very true. What I don't do know say? if those – can you still find those Kirk uh, masks anywhere? The I'm original? sure you can. I think they're probably going to be very pricey. And also, I mean, the, I guess – I ho- you would probably want to hope for a reissue because I'll bet you the rubber on the original ones. Oh yeah, is probably very dried out and it's like to crack Cracking, and work yeah, as much. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm sure I can't be the first person to think of this idea. No, no, no. no. You are. You absolutely are. No, yeah. <laughs> you should in fact patent to the idea yes. on account uh-huh. of no one else ever in the history of the world has ever. Well, you know, as a nerd, I was uh, you know growing up, I did do quite a bit of modeling and I remember like um, you know early on in my like single digits I was doing car models I tried my hand at some planes but I, I really preferred cars and I remember like when Dick Tracy came out I got like the coupe that Dick Tracy was in or the sedan the bad guys were in and then I guess maybe that's why I kind of drifted to once I was you know really collecting comic books and when Horizon first started they had like the basic run of the they had a Spider-Man they had a Punisher they had like a mole man. Did you do, a, did you build Spider Man? A Dracula? No, I only got from that run the Punisher one, and that was it was really hard because he's in a weird stance, and they used to suggest you fill them with like a substance like rice or, or salt yeah. in the bottom to keep it bottom heavy so it would stand upright. And uh, I did that with that one, and then to this day it kind of still leaks a little bit. Yeah, Spider Man was a was a pain. Uh, yeah, because you had to hand paint the webbing on his yes. costume. And then, but but it also though came out with the the best thing ever because he had this great pose where he was you know his his he was sort of standing legs apart and he was uh, you know knees bent and he was uh, shooting a web, and uh, I, I it came with this wiring that you had to sort of almost like knit together to oh, wow. make like a shot of web coming out of his uh, out of his hand and it was so good it came out so well and I, I do miss that one and also uh, they had Indiana Jones. Well, see, um, that, that, and then, yeah, I feel like they did, like, yeah. a, a Series 2 or, like, a, yeah. and then that's when they kind of got into there where, like, I remember they had, a, it was a Ghost Rider, there was an Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. him and his father. I have the Indiana Jones. I didn't have Dr. Jones. No, I had father. Indiana Jones. I had RoboCop. I had, I had, I had RoboCop. Penguin. I had Ed 209. Um, you had Ed 209? Yeah, and then my parents threw it away because it's one of these ones that broke, so I put it in the corner to re-glue. And then I went off to college, and then it sat, like, in the closet for how many years? And I guess when they ended up moving houses when they retired, they threw some stuff away, and that was one of them. They also threw away – I had a Mars Attacks model. Oh, my God. And I, I only had finished the base, which was just, like, the bottom, which is, like, a sidewalk, and then a mailbox with, like, a policeman that had been cut in half <laughs> by a, raise, uh, a rain. He was, like, dying, hanging on the side of a mailbox. And they ended up throwing away all the elements that ended up being the alien, and I was so upset. But yeah. I had – um, what else did I have? I had 
uh, the T one thousand and the battle damage Terminator from Terminator oh, Two. Yes, I had yes the T one thousand. I had ba- yeah battle damaged Arnold and yep. I even had the endoskeleton. Yeah, and then I made my own modification. I had the endoskeleton too, but that was a pain because it wouldn't stand properly. So my oh, parents no, had to get yeah, me like a. It had. I never saw this in the movies that it had that its its heels were literally just a ball. Yeah, exactly, yeah. like a ball on a little pin. So my parents got me like a doll stand, and that was always awkward. And then um, I had I modified my T one thousand. So for the scene, I used to love the deleted scene where he's walking and gets caught on the he puts his hand at the end. Oh yeah, on the rail and he, and he starts imitating the rail. So what I did was I made like a pl- uh, a cardboard bottom, and then I used like um, drinking straws. And I turned it like you know, and then I had him hold on to that area, so it looked like he was turning into like you know. And then I painted it up a That's little bit. Awesome. And then uh, what other ones? I had I had so many. I had Venom. You know, they they did a Venom. They did a Carnage. Uh, Carnage never really stood well. I had the Wolverine, the uh, yellow blue suit Wolverine, and he didn't stand well either. He's like walking, bending, hunched over, walking at you. Yeah. Um. I had a great. I had two Frankenstein's. I had the the um. Horizon Frankenstein, which was like vinyl, which is very much like Boris Karloff. He's like kind of has his hand up at you. And yeah. then I had another one, which it wasn't Horizon. It was made out of like almost like a porcelain or a stone. And it's him in the chair from, I think it's maybe um, Bride of Frankenstein, where they capture him and they chain him up. Yeah. And he's stuck there like trying to get out and his head's, you know, propped up in the chair. I had that too. And I still have them all to this day. They're really amazing. There, there was the first time I'd ever encountered... Um models that really looked like the people that they were modeled after. I mean, again, the, the I, I think it was the Batman model that I had, which I think was Batman Returns. He looked very much like Michael Keaton. The Robocop looked... Not only did Robocop look like Peter Weller, but you could still... They let you take the helmet off. Of yeah, him, and you'd see So you could see him underneath. Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Penguin looked very much like Danny DeVito as the Penguin. I mean, these were... In, and, and even, you know, Indiana Jones looked like Harrison Ford. And these were amazing kits. I don't and remember. The, did they make a Joker... Because I would have thought I would have got it. I had my Batman was the '89s um, Batman where he just has his yeah. arms up and he's holding the cape. Yeah, but I, I don't remember they didn't make a Nicholson. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they made a Nicholson Joker. I know I had the comic book Joker version that they came out with, which was actually very. It was elaborate. I mean, it had yes, a big I had the, purple if, coat and you had to, like it had a, a, a deck, of, not a deck of cards, but a hand of cards. Yeah, and, and he has the cane in the other hand. Uh huh. And yeah. he's holding the cards up to his face. I had them yeah. too, and then the cards would always end up falling out. I'd lose the cards behind, and I had to go get them, put them back, and then um, I think when I was getting out of the car the day I got that model, it opened up and the cane fell and just shattered on the ground. The oh. plastic. So I ended up using was a, like a, a brush handle. And putting that in, and then it would look perfect because it was black, nice brush, you know. So yeah, I, I remember that. That was a very good. Um, and then you you actually glued like it was intricate, like you're saying that like you glued like two pieces of um, like his hair would come down over his forehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh geez, hmm. that, th- these days. Sorry, Brian. I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I painted um. a rock red. <laughs> My parents got me a chia pet. I oh. never, I never, um, I was never much of a modeler. I remember well, dabbling very briefly. Run with your your um, um, uh, idea before you. So you were playing with the the um, the caps in the backyard. Well, or where did you go from like, there? That was just actually just was killing the, animals. It was, it was it was always on the porch because the thing is you needed a stone surface. You had to have a hard surface. So yeah, no, I remember I remember uh, digging on that. Here's the thing, and here's I guess a question. Um, I'll 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 take charge for a moment, Dion, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just have a question um, because as I was brainstorming, such as it is, brain drizzling, um, such as it is for purposes of this podcast, I um, 
was remembering, thinking back over the Christmas gifts that I had received over the years. And I, to be honest, I was never a big toy getter. Like, when I was a kid, I was never big on playing with toys, per se. So I had that, you know, brief stint collecting Star Wars figures that I mentioned before. But for me, it was always more games and books was always more of my speed. Like I was you were a Mensa man, that's why. Well, I wasn't even at the time. I was a little kid. He, but he, was, he was practicing. He was, uh, yeah, but your parents were like, hey, there's potential here. Let's have them skip toys and give them computers and the, that thing that would they didn't even want like I remember said. like like all like the Parker Brothers games and the and the Milton Bradley games like those were like when I got when I got like you know a box that when there was a, a box and it was wrapped and it was clearly the size of a board game it was like ah oh, yeah you know that kind of thing um, but what I was going to say so I was thinking back to to memorable Christmas gifts that I had received. Uh, over the years and one of the more it's weird that I should call it one of the more memorable ones because for the life of me I cannot remember what it was it was a book and as near as I can tell it was a book that purported to tell the future history of the human race uh, space exploration so it was giving you entries on like planetary colonies and spaceships as though they really existed and this was like elaborate and detailed and written at a very high adult level like in terms of the writing of the of the of the text and it was accompanied by the, what was it who was it what age was it aimed at I have no recollection and but what I remember about it besides just the 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 elaborate detail in the the, the text as far as the invention of the of the fictional ships and planets the other thing i remember is the illustrations it was um heavily illustrated with these full color paintings of spaceships and planetscapes that again were like so detailed and realistic and this was in the days before you really had a lot of cg art so this would have been like actual you know like hand paintings yeah and i just remember that i had it I had it for a while. I loved the shit out of it. Uh, a How couple big of was friends. The book? Um, as near as I can figure, it was. I mean, I don't know how to tell you how big it was, but it was a hardcover. Um, but it wasn't a thick hardcover. It was a thin-ish hardcover, not like thin, like a little golden book. Have okay. you tried to like, like um, research it and try to find it? I have tried to brainstorm everything I can think of and I can't come up with any clues that can clue me into what this book was which brings me so I have sort of sadly relegated it to the bin of lost history in my mind but my so I bring this then to you guys do you guys have anything like that pinging around your heads like the forgotten Christmas the things that you vaguely remember having and maybe even loving but that you don't like really have all the all, all of it like still available to you mentally speaking you know what I'm I'm getting on a limb before we get too far away I'm gonna go on a limb and say that this book probably wasn't the space flight chronology from Star Trek the motion picture no it was absolutely nothing to do with any media franchise at all it was completely independent in that way because it sounds exactly like it it's uh, you know the 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 premise of the book was it took you all the way from the early beginnings of the space program all the way through to I guess Star Trek the motion picture but there were all sorts of ship designs in there and full full page like paintings and drawings of like you know basic these these major uh moments in human history and landing on this planet and the other and and log entries and news articles and all that led you all the way up to and again at the time because of it, it was the way it was if you didn't know that this was supposed to be a star trek thing you wouldn't know until you made it 
you know, to the final few pages when you have, oh my God, there's the Enterprise. But other than that, not yeah, so no, I'm I'm absolutely positive that this book was not tied into any media franchise of any sort. It was okay. it was just it was an independent thing, and it was just like man. Did I adore that book? But then, you know, I guess I just read it to death and it fell apart or whatever. I and have I a, just, you know. <laughs> I have a book that I bought at a secondhand store that, that um, like, it's it's very 70s, but it was, it was modeled towards a ch- child in the 70s. And it's very sci-fi in that kind of aspect. It'd be hilarious if it's the exact same book. Oh, if it was, that would be amazing. It, it just reminds me, this book comes to mind in thinking of that, so I'll have to send you a picture. Is this it? And probably won't be, but... Um, <laughs> but anyway, had, but uh, but the, the the lost gifts, the, the, the forgotten joys, those sort of things, that's sort of what I'm asking you guys about. Do you, anything come to mind along those lines? Uh, Jay? Uh, you know, what's funny is, I mean, there were probably a lot of smaller gifts um, throughout the years, because I... I I, I this is okay. Allow me a moment to humble brag. <laughs> because okay, we will like, uh, but just one. Thank you, just one. Uh, I grew up in the household that did both Hanukkah and Christmas. Wow! So uh, you're one of them. I, I did too. Yes. I did yeah. too. No, you're one of them too. So I mean, it's funny. My my recollections are. I mean, I, there there are a lot of gifts that I absolutely remember, and I'm sure there are even more that I don't. But um, I, the 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 main memory that comes back to me was the incredible way that my my dad would, well, my parents would 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 help uh, with Hanukkah, was that uh, they, they they sort of took, uh, you know, they, they made it into a fun little thing where instead of I mean aside aside from the fun of getting the gifts, um, instead of being like okay here's your present for tonight, um, my dad would make up a wheel. Uh, and on the wheel were numbers one through eight, and all the gifts were numbered one through eight. And I'd spin the wheel every night. Whatever number landed on, that would be the gift I got, uh, which was pretty. And if it landed on a number I'd already picked, I'd just spin again. It was actually pretty cool. Your household was awesome. Yeah, I I know. Really, it's like wow, it you was had like so the cool. best childhood ever. I was oh, beat man. with a coat hanger. <laughs> ah. Well, yeah, but I it, got it, it, a rock. Ah. <laughs> But it was uh, so. I remember, you know, you'd spin, and this way you didn't feel like, oh, you get all the best gifts first, or you have to wait to get the best gifts. You know, you, you got the gifts, you know, it, almost at random. But it was, and it was fun to try to figure out and whatever. But so I remember, um, I, 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 there was one year I just remember crossing over from strictly toys to um, higher end, I guess stuff. Not, I don't mean electronics. I mean not necessarily electronics. Where I started to get like my prop replicas going. Oh, you have an extensive collection of prop replicas. Yeah. So at the and at the, well the, at the at the time it was a lot harder to find quality stuff. You know, you'd have stuff that was just made by you know Joe Schmo or whoever. But and and they would put a lot of work into it. But the resources weren't there to make them say quote unquote authentic. So I think the first one of the first ones I ever got was a um, hand phaser from Star Trek the TV show. The, but not like the full phasers, the little mini one, the black one. Mm-hmm. And it was. <laughs> it, by today's standards, completely inaccurate, but it was so cool because it was. You still uh, have it? it? Um, yes, actually, I do. So it, it's 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 in a box. Uh, the, it had like this silver foil on the top, and it didn't have the trigger at the bottom because, quite honestly, at the time, nobody knew that the trigger was on the bottom. We always thought it was on the top. So there was this button on the top that you'd press, and a little when you did, a little red diode would light up in the front, and it would make that electronic shooting noise that things made back at the time that like that and it would do that this was the first like functioning prop that i ever had 
and that was like that. That was a Hanukkah gift, and wow. I remember it, it was either the same year or a few. Or, no, it must have been I guess a year or so later when Star Trek: Next Generation picked up. I got like the little mini phaser from that, but this was just a solid piece of resin. But it was nicely painted, and looked great, and stuff like that. So I mean, I I can't necessarily speak back to, you know. Um, gifts that I don't because I, I think I either remember them or I don't and I, I, I think there are a lot of stuff you know a lot of the toys I had as a kid where I don't remember necessarily if I where what when I got them did I get them for like a birthday or Christmas or oh anything? I have I have a lot of things like as I was thinking I had a lot of things like that was wow I really loved this when I was a kid but I don't think it was a Christmas gift I think it was just uh, a gift in general yeah yeah, yeah, that's the same to me. It's like I remember there is, and for a category um, with lost books, there is a lost book that I used to go to the library as a kid. There's a, a branch in Westville, which was in New Haven, and we go there, and there was this book which I cannot, for the life of me, get ever find the name of it. It was a it was a story about this ghost that was ringing a bell in this monastery, like up in the mountains, and then they think it's a uh, a yeti throwing a snowball at the at the at the bell and uh, that's like in this church steeple and they find out at the end it's just an old man who's lonely or whatever but it's like this children's book and i can never for the life of me track that down i might have to go back to the library and see if they still have it um but for toys i remember my father worked for metro north uh which i think was maybe was it called Conrail at the time no it might have been still metro north and we lived in new haven and he would commute every uh night or every day into Manhattan and he'd come back so when he'd get back home at like 6 or 7 he'd bring with him like whatever the you know he'd go to like FAO Schwartz or whatever the local um, toy store was around Grand Central and he'd bring me back a present so like he um, I remember he tracked me down uh, Optimus Prime at the time when you couldn't find an Optimus Prime and then I went like in a month and broke both his legs off oh (laughs) jeez and just because it was so poorly done I know a lot of people have that issue where you try to flip him back into truck mode you know his leg might end up cracking but he he brought me home a um, uh, what's his name Um, oh crap Um, it's on the tip of my tongue the uh, who's the Decepticon that, that that was stationed on Cybertron. Oh, um, it's Shockwave. Um, Shockwave. He brought me Shockwave home, and Shockwave would also turn into the gun. And he was really high end, though. He turned into like a plasma rifle as opposed to, yeah. um, you know, freaking. Uh, that's something for you, uh, Brian, to go research. Like the reg- original Megatron turns into like a Walter PPK or like a three. I, 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 I'm trying to remember if it was it a Walter PPK or no, no. I think it was more like a a, a Luger. Oh, it was it something, but it was something small-ish in that kind of range. But yeah, I think uh, a friend of mine had that. Yeah, and, it, and now it's so dangerous that he turned. And then you know he looked nothing like the design once he was in robot form that he did on the television show. But Shockwave, I remember you, you. He came with like tubes, and you put his arms together, and they would become the the barrel, and then. At the end of the barrel was like this pla- plastic thing that you you pull the trigger and you must have had to put batteries in it. Everything would light up like pew, pew, like same kind of probably noise that you were saying off the phaser. Yeah. And I remember I must have broke that really quick because within like probably a week or a month that was gone. So it must have been just so meticulous. I I don't know. As a child, I don't want to say like I like broke things a lot, but I remember <laughs> I think what happened was my parents were giving me toys like my father would just you know buy me you know not buy me everything but he would you know try to splurge on me you know so i think he'd buy me stuff out of my my age range mm-hmm. and then because mm-hmm. of that like i remember my parents had a um a a-track player in their house and my dad's you know the, the a-track player kept breaking and he brought it to get it repaired and the it, when the guy took like the 
top off. There were like two or three Hot Wheels stuck in. Yeah. Because what I was doing was I thought it was the garage that I can put my Hot Wheels in. Oh, that's great. So, so I was like sticking them into like the, you know, because the A-Track player, much like an, um, I, don't, I don't know, like a 360, it had like a little, you know, it had like a little um, door that would get pushed up when you put the A-Track in. And then when you take the A-Track out, the door would shut, I guess, to keep the inside from getting dust in it. So you couldn't really see if I shoved something in there, you know, and... Um, I just remember just having toys that would like end up breaking very easily, you know, and that was always really upsetting that you get something like, you know, of, you know, maybe you wanted or a surprise and then like it ends up breaking by the end of the day. I mean, do you guys have a white whale, though, in a sense of something you never got? You know, like oh. mine, you know, like I had like the general flag I always wanted, you know, and, you know, I never got that. I got it in high school. I, I traded away almost all my Spider-Mans to get it and, and then... I had it for about a year, and I had it set up in my parents' basement. But then the weekend I went off to college uh, for the orientation weekend, um, where my parents, their house sat on the street. It was the lowest point on the street. So there was a sewage backup, and it all backed up into my parents' basement. So they had about an inch of raw sewage on the floor, and they had to rip up the carpeting and stuff. And if I was there, I would have took all my toys and personally, like, just washed them off. I don't care if they were covered in shit or whatever they say, you know brown water but they just threw all my gi joes away and they threw away all in and that was also all the vehicles and that was the flag was one of them and i I was just i was heartbroken because i was gone that weekend wow you know i feel like at the time if you had asked me at any given age like were there toys that i wanted and didn't have i'd probably i probably could have given you a small list in the long run Uh, but you know in looking back at what i had and, you know, it's funny, I, I was so lucky that I didn't, you know, I wasn't, and not to pour salt on wounds, I wasn't, you know, um, limited to the number of genres that I could go to, per se. So I had, you know, I had... That's my, that's my Mr. T impression. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, sorry. I Brian very, hands me some milk and I pass out. <laughs> I feel very intimidated all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but I had, you know, like I had the superpower, uh, superpowers figures. I had Star Wars. I had He-Man. They had great um, commercials, by the way. I remember, I remember at a very young age watching the superpowers commercials and it yeah. was like, that's a, a big gripe I have where you have the commercials that were better... They looked better and cooler in the commercial of toys because they had like those cardboard plastic buildings and cities to play in. Well, you know what's funny is like the, to me that morphed because you're right. I always you know the the commercials I always made me jealous because they the the quote unquote play sets that the people were, that these kids were playing with their toys on there was no way you were ever going to be able to like make something that was look that cool. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was just, just it was such a uh, it was a great marketing tool. But I remember the superpower. Maybe it was them or the Justice League. They had like. Batman and Robin. Remember they had the 80s Bat- Batmobile? Oh, no, no. Well, see, that's, that's the thing. See, that's I the was commercial. just about to get to that. Yeah. I had the, the Batmobile. Yeah. And as I got a little bit older, I discovered that if you, if you are very careful when you take something apart, you can put it back together. So what I started to do was I would take Batman and Robin, I'd put them in the Batmobile, but I'd take all the screws out of the bottom of the Batmobile. And then I would have... Like the Joker or something, like you know, attack. Well, actually, no. I even had the Lexor Seven, which was like the, this 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 um, fighter jet that Lex Luthor would fly around in. I'd have Lex Luthor attack the Batmobile, and it would send the Batmobile over a cliff, and literally, I would just push the Batmobile off the bed, and when it hit <laughs> the ground, it like just broke into a thousand pieces because there was nothing holding it back together. Yeah, yeah. And so then I'd have, like, you know, Batman and Robin, like, crawling out of the the rubble, and then they'd have to take the pieces back to the Batcave and put the Batmobile back together. And that, you know, helped me go, going for a little bit because that was such a cool toy, too, because it had 
you'd press, you know, you'd, there was a little slider in the cockpit which would cause the headlights to come up, and there was a, um, like, not where the gear shifter would be, there was this lever, and when you pull it, the battering ram would come out the front, and then there was this other piece that was very hard to operate in the back that you'd press, um, and it, this, this claw would come out the back of the Batmobile, and you could use it to grab onto, and by the way, how terrible is this? You could grab onto, like, one of the bad guys and drag them on the back of the car all the way back to wherever. And uh, the only major modification I made to the Batmobile over time was uh, it was one of those that had the little piece of plastic in the back so that when you drove it, when the back wheels would turn, it would do that, that ticking sound. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went in one day, and as I was taking it apart, I saw it was held in place by a screw. So I unscrewed it and never put it back. I wonder if that's the same thing, because I had the 89 Batmobile that came out with the Tim Burton movie. Well, wait, 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 there were two. Which one? Did you have the, the first one that was basically a convertible, or did you have the yeah, better I one? Had, I had, well, I had the one that came out, I guess I had both. If, if there, I had, there was one for the convertible from 89, which really pissed me off that it was oh, a convertible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I made myself a top out of cardboard and painted it black so he can flip on and off, and then... I never thought of that. That was a good idea. And, and then uh, in the trunk... You know, I, it had that same piece of plastic that I ended up taking yep. out, so it would make the noise. And I think that also came with like a, a piece of plastic you could put over, and that was the uh, shields mode. Uh, am, am I mistaken? I thought it came with like a plastic kind of like you know very cheaply. You just put it over, and that shields. Th- there was a Batmobile that did that, and it's funny because I I had that Batmobile, but I didn't have that. But I feel like I've seen that, so I don't know. Maybe I just didn't get the right one, or maybe I got a yeah. an earlier one. And then there was the other Batmobile. I don't know that when Batman Returns came out, there was one that yeah. looked exactly like, and that was the one that would turn into the missile. I had that one. See, okay, again, I didn't have the one that turned into the miss. The second one that turned into a missile. I had just the regular one that they came out with. The, see, do you know what do you know what the differences were between the, like why why they were so different? No, no. Okay, fun fact. So uh, after this is Kenner, what I like. <laughs> I love this part because this I remember this so clearly. After uh, after a while, Kenner lost the license to the DC superheroes collection, so they couldn't make superpower figures anymore. So what happened was Galoob bought it. And they had they got basically they got the molds and they started making their own figures. They were, and I, I think they were just called DC superheroes. And it was stupid because all the figures looked like they were molded off of the superpowers collection, so they all looked a little less detailed and a little fatter. And they didn't have any of the action, so they looked kind of stupid. Was that the '89 Batman then, with the one with the had the belt with the yes. string in it? Yeah. So and they came did. up with that Bob the Goon and the and that's then that explains away why the Joker looks not like Nicholson, but yes. the. Uh, 80s cartoon Joker. Yes, he did. That's very interesting. And so they came out with the Batmobile, and they came out with a Batwing, which was actually pretty cool because it shot two suction cups off the side, which was kind of nice. But then, uh, by the time Batman Returns came out, Kenner got the licensing back. And so they started releasing their own stuff, and that's when all of a sudden you had a Batman figure that kind of looked a little like Michael Keaton. You had a Joker figure that not only looked a bit like Nicholson, but if (coughs) if you dumped his head in water, it would change between flesh color and Joker color. Yes, I remember that. And I also had the Michael Keaton that you could take off the cowl. Yes, and, and which it was, was really it was good. Michael Keaton in like a like a not, he was like, it's a, like a sweater. Yeah, yeah. it's a sweater turtleneck. And they finally came out with the Batmobiles that looked really good. And they continue. And the only figure in my they opinion, had a boat too. I got the Bat boat. I think I didn't. I didn't get. I got the Bat boat slash Batwing from Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, but the and it, which was also a Batmobile, it was, you could change between all three. The only thing they disappointed me on in Batman Returns was the Penguin figure. They didn't actually even bother to. I don't know if it was a likeness thing. They couldn't make it look like Danny DeVito, so they literally took the superpowers figures Penguin, and instead of giving him a b- blue coat, they gave him a black coat. 
Is he wearing a top hat as well? Or yeah, and he's got. He literally looked like the comic book penguin that you know superpowers team like with a monocle as well. Yeah. Wow. And, and it was like because they did a Catwoman figure that looked. Yeah, you know, she was great, and yeah. she looked exactly kind of like Michelle Pfeiffer in a way with the outfit. The only thing they didn't do like is that. they didn't paint the stitching on it. It was molded in there, but they didn't paint it, so you really couldn't see it. Yeah. But it, yeah, that was on point. Everything was on point, except for some reason they just couldn't do the penguin which was That's funny I, maybe they thought it was too scary for kids i never got the bob the goon figure i always liked it because he was like always my favorite i remember the original joker which you're saying was modeled off the old kenner model it yeah. had like the tube where it can spray out water from the flower yeah yeah and which i never used, really, was cute yeah, yeah and, and it had a hat that never really quit fight uh fit like right, right. <laughs> yeah and then um i had the bat i had the bat wing from the animated series oh i loved that one too. and i didn't get the um the Batmobile from the animated series. But. That was so much fun because yeah. that not only was it the Batmobile, but then you could pull the uh, cockpit of the Batmobile off the back and these two wings would pop down. And it would become like a little mini fighter oh, wow. that he could that he could uh, fly around in and then you put him back in the Batmobile and he's fine. And then, yes, you still had the, the Batwing separately. Yeah. Which you could use too, which was awesome. Like there was, there was this great period of time when those superhero figures, especially because again, because of Kenner, Kenner always did stuff right. Yeah, they really did, and they came out with all this really good stuff. The only ones, however, despite all that, I can still pinpoint, hands down, probably the most amazing toy I had ever was. <laughs> And it was the bridge playset from Star Trek: The Next Generation. But that was in Kenner, though. I thought that was um... no, that was Playmates. Yeah, Playmates. I was going to say the, the ones who yeah. made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Now, Playmates did a lot of things wrong with their Star Trek line, but the, there were th- two things in particular that they did absolutely right. And the first one was the uh, transporter playset, and the second one was the bridge playset. But the bridge playset was by far the coolest thing and stands to this day as probably the coolest toy I have ever owned. Now, why is this? So they built the playset. Basically, first of all, they built it like a studio set. So it was completely round on the outside. It was an entire. It was the entire bridge. But what happened was these little pieces on the top, so you could that you would take off and you could fold the side walls down, and you could just figure out which side wall you wanted down. So you had different parts of the bridge that you could look in on and still like have the whole bridge there. And they weren't cardboard. They weren't cardboard. This was full molded plastic with like sticker sheets and everything. That was number one. Number two, it had two sets of doors that had, uh, there was a lever on top. When you pulled the lever, the doors would open like from either side. And then you'd let the lever go and they'd snap shut again. So the doors would open and close just like they did on the show. And then at Worf's station, you know, on the top there, there were like eight buttons that would activate lights and sound effects throughout the bridge, including now the view screen was basically a light box. And what it came with was a graphic of a Romulan ship uh, over a planet. And I actually wow. uh, and what you do is you press the buttons and first it would light up from the back. Uh, it was like a translucent sheet. And then if you hit like a phaser button, you took a red dot light up, which is where the phaser or the, like the phaser would fire, or the t- torpedo would fire. I actually replaced that sheet with like a piece of black um, construction paper that I poked holes in. So I actually just had a star field back there and it was cool. And, and like all the chairs turned and the, and the, and, um, the stations moved and everything was exactly, first of all, in scale with the figures, but 
exactly what you would want to play with at any given time. And, you know, you still had that ability to sort of, like I said, I, I got into this phase where I would sort of take it apart. So you'd have, like, battle damage because you could shake it from the bottom and do, like, yeah. the shake and roll like they do on the show and everything. And it was so great. I used to do that with, with the, the cops figures, fighting crime in the future time. I would take them apart and then, you know... Lob them over off a stair or off the bed, and that it would break. And it's it's amazing the the one off toys. Like I remember the Ninja Turtles playmates, their lair, which was like you know the sewer with the street. That was very elaborate. And I also remember I don't I don't know if it was Kenner, but there was a Terminator Two. A uh, whole slew of toys that came out with Terminator 2. And there was this set that came and went that I had briefly, which was amazing, where you can actually mold your own. T eight hundred. I had that too, and you I remember believe that, that was. I want to say that was Galoob. Actually, I may be wrong. And what was funny was my mom worked in a dental office at the time, and she got me more of that powder. Like yeah, so what you do is you could make. Yeah, good. yeah, you'd, you'd put you get a T eight hundred, and then you'd put them in a mold, and you fill them with this powder, and then I think it would you pour water in. It was, well, you would make well, yeah you you make this. They, it came with this thing of paste, and you yeah you mix some water in there and mix it up, and then you'd pour it in, and you just let it set. Yeah. And when you pulled it out, you had the endoskeleton would be covered with skin. Yeah, like and in, then, in like a flesh-colored kind of a skin. Yeah, which you could then, at your leisure, peel off of in yeah. sections and stuff and battle damage him. And then when you were done, make more and do it again. It was, it was, a, it was such a great idea. And then, I, you know, I, I think I ran out of the mold and then tried to find it, got it once. And then afterward, I couldn't, like you're saying, I couldn't find it, you know. I didn't. I wasn't able to. That's amazing that your mother had like an endless, endless supply of it. Oh yeah, I got this big like those big uh, like canisters of it, and I just sit there and just randomly make them. I mean, look, honestly, the novelty would wear off after a little while, especially because they weren't posable once yeah. you put the the skin on them. You couldn't move them because then it would break the skin. But it was just really cool and novel. Then, do you guys remember one of the, the the like you know nowadays Legos is huge, and for me, I think Legos really took off once they started got like you know copywriting they were able to get like you know the copyrights to using merchandise for specific properties but prior to that when legos was still just making houses and maybe like a pirate playset in the 80s do you remember a, a, a toy named constructs i remember that such existed yeah oh that that was such a cornerstone of my childhood constructs where it was like you get the, it was, it was kind of like a, the plastic version of an erector set but you can make anything you want out of them and I had enough set where I would be able to make, you know, you'd make planes, you'd make cars, you'd make trains. And it was really just that, your, you know, the limitation was your mind at how authentic or realistic it could look. So I'd always be, take the constructs and make, like I'd go to the movies and say I'd see, uh, you know, Batman and the Batmobile. So I'd go home and make the Batmobile and I'd put the figures in. And then, of course, since they're like made of like a, a erector set kind of a configuration, they could always break when you throw it off of something and, you know, smash it. And it was such... Uh, it, uh, it was such an ingenious idea for kids to be able to like you know exercise their creative side with well that was that was my that was the bulk of my childhood uh toy playing time i mean oh, more than anything else to a to an extensive degree um the toys that i was bought when i was a kid were building toys um, yeah. Way back in the days when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, but no, but because uh, <laughs> I am very, very old. No, but um, you're in your nineties. In my nineties, but I, I look really hey, damn good. Calm down, there, Grandpa. Okay. Yeah. No, but uh, but seriously, pills. like, like you know, so we're talking the nineteen seventies, and you're saying that Legos really took off. You know, when they got merchandise, when they got a, 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 a franchise tie-ins. I don't think that's the case at all. There was um, like in the seventies, Legos was my jam 
Um, yeah. I had, but they weren't tied necessarily to like you. You'd buy a house or a building. That well, kind of thing. no, no. You you got back then. You could get yeah, one of bricks, two things. Right? They had they had you you had just your basic brick sets, right? Or yeah. like collections of bricks that you could get. And I had gathered a variety of those over the years. What I had, my most treasured possession, I suppose, when I was that age, was a giant denim. Uh, a tie bag. It was yeah. basically just a giant circle of denim with a with 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 a with a with the kind of a drawstring around the edge of it, so that when you 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 could you could turn it into like a hobo sack almost, yeah. like minus the stake. You know what I'm talking about? All so, made out of Legos. Right, well, no, it wasn't made out of Legos. It was filled with Legos and yeah. all of the various bits of brick and whatnot that had uh, come into my possession, like either because my parents had bought me a box of random bricks or because you know. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd gotten a box of random bricks from a friend or whatever. Um, but they also did have sets, and you're right, they always had like the... the I was never interested so much in the town sets or oh, the, that uh, they those the awesome house sets or whatever. My, my two favorites, I mean... Now, this is going to, in a way, uh, uh, I will eventually get back to uh, the question you asked a little while ago about white elephants. But my um, my holy grail as a as a as a kid, <laughs> white elephants, white whales, white whales, white whales. What's a, he's, yeah. he's seeing pink elephants? Isn't oh, yeah. well, that's the problem. Well, always. Um, shut up, Harvey. Um, anyway, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. yeah, the old rabbit. Uh, um, uh, what? Uh, I had uh, the two largest Lego sets, and therefore my two favorites. Um, I had the castle, and this was okay. not a, a specific. This was just the Lego castle, and it was stunning because it was gigantic, and you made like a like an honest to god castle, you know, yeah, with a, with a, a mott and a bailey, castle. you know, where you had the yeah. towers, you had the courtyard, you had the. They gave you like flags to like fly to. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, and you had knights, and yeah, and then I also had the pirate ship. That, like that the I big had a bunch pirate of those. ship. Yeah, I remember they had like a trading outpost yeah. for like the, I don't know, like the British or the French or whoever that, that was supposed to be with, with their ship. And then you had the pirate ship set, the pirate ship. And then I remember they even had like a pirate island you can get yeah. to. But, um, to uh, uh, but the Holy Grail for me, the, the white whale, as you were. The white elephant. Um, or the white elephant, <laughs> however you want to do it, um, uh, uh, that you, uh, for me. I'd always loved the space stuff. Now, I'd gotten yeah. a bunch of the smaller ships um, at various times. And unlike the pirate ship and the castle, which I got, a, I was a little older when I got those, so I had enough sense in my head to keep those separate in their boxes so they never lived with the rest of the Legos in the, denim, in the giant denim bag. The space stuff that I'd gotten a little earlier on just got mixed in with the space stuff, and that was fine and with the rest of it, which was fine because then a lot... I had wings in there, and I had various little round landing gear and whatnot, so it was nice because then with all the other square and rectangular bricks that I was working with you always had the nice the wings and the circular stuff that could you know break up all the all the blockiness and and so but i i don't remember now i have zero recollection of what it was called but there was one big spaceship when i was a kid this would have been the late 70s and there was one big spaceship and that was to me like damn did i want that and never got it never wound up getting it but i wanted it but legos thing is for me building toys 
were always what I played with as a kid. It wasn't just the Legos. Um, you mentioned Erector Set, and I had one very small actual Erector. Can you still buy Erector Sets? I think you can. I'm not sure. I remember, like a childhood fact that like they had like a London Bridge Erector Set, and they were supposedly that was the biggest toy set you could buy. Wow. You know, whatever it was and how many pieces. And I was like, no, oh, I had, that'd be so cool. I had one of the proper, you know, like, because the proper Erector set, you know, it had the, 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 um, uh, with the, with the, the, the metal strips with the holes in them. And yeah, then, you, you get know. like a, like a little tool, like the kind yeah. of, like almost like a wrench kind of similar yeah. to like the, um, Ikea thingy. And you had now. little rubber grommets. And I mean, it was just, it was fantastic, you know? Um, yeah. I loved that one. But then there were others that, that really go back to like, you know, the, 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 days of yore um lincoln logs was oh, a big one gosh, in my lincoln house logs. i had i yeah. had a billion of those and i loved those i love tinker toys yes um, but my favorite and this is something that i believe was gone by the time i was out of grammar school but my absolute favorite i adored the pants off it so to speak was girder and panel it was called and it was you made like the you it was basically for like roads and bridges and buildings and it was literally what like like they say in England it was just what it said on the tin you yeah. had these blue plastic girders of various sizes and they had little pegs in the end so you would just you would assemble them with like pegs and holes and they had little joints and it was actually when looking back it was actually really almost educational because although they were made of plastic they were really getting put together in the way that an actual set of girders on a construction site would get put together That's and very then once you, to the constructs and yeah. then once you had the pl- and then once you had the blue girders all put together in a framework, then you had panels, either like roadways or, you know, walls or windows or whatever, that you could then insert or lay onto the framework that you had made that, you know, and 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 just that something... That sounds familiar. I wonder if I had a one-off of that. Something about the way that was put together, it's like, I remember getting, like, literally years of enjoyment out of just the cantilever bridge set. Yeah, that was that was all it took. I mean, I could build that that damn bridge over and over and over again and change the direction of the road or whatever. And years for years, this kept me like happy. So like, I think the building toys more than anything else were the greatest part of my childhood. And if I have any like if I could go back and thank my parents for anything they did to me as a, as a did to for me, I should say pardon me. <laughs> did, to you. did did for me as 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 a kid. It would be that like that focus on the open-ended sort of creative building toys that that they really got me a lot of those. Yeah. Um that was that was a big deal. And just real quick to wrap it up, um if we're talking um uh, 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 what's the word? Um, licensed stuff. Um, uh, the 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 of my whole life, the the white whale of that end of the spectrum would have been the diecast Voltron from the eighties, wow. like with the is five, that the one that was recalled because of the lead paint? I don't. I never heard anything about that. All I know it was it was. I never got it because it was too expensive. But those the five like when it was diecast and you had the five lions and then you put them together and you could actually form Voltron. They had so many of those. It was they had, amazing. I had they had the ones that were I had like that. 
the, you know, it, it was Voltron together, and it was say like eight inches tall, mm-hmm. and that that was the one I kind of feel like was there was a metal version of that that had lead paint that was recalled. Then they had like a plastic one similar. Then they had the plastic lions that I had like the blue one where you can put the guy into, and then mm-hmm. that would you get them all they would turn into something. But then I also remember the scale like. The kid next door to me had a standing one. Do you guys remember this one? Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I wanted. That like was like I don't know three feet tall. Yes, maybe or yes, something. that was the one. And you, I don't know. I, I have a memory of it being on wheels. You can plug it in, so maybe it was like a remote controlled or something. And that was phenomenal. I mean, that was great marketing back then for for those kind of mm-hmm. Ultronish things. And then I, like you guys mentioned Thundercats before. I never had any Thundercats. Neither, exactly. neither. Um. I remember, for me, the first big toy, the run I remember, is the Cabbage Patch Kids. I oh, that I actually had one of those. Amazing. Yeah, m- like, why Why my parents thought a 10-year-old boy would be interested in a Cabbage Patch Kid I, is beyond me, but I did like the thing. Well, when it was, they got I it guess it was me. the fad at the time. I yeah. Well, they that. did transcend boys and girls at that age. I guess. Yeah. I guess. It, it became one of the first kind of mega things. And I remember my mom and like my, the, my cousins, I guess my aunt, they got out of like one of these... Um, I don't know, Good Housekeeping or whatever magazines was like, make your own. Because, you know, my mom was like a sewer when she when I was little, so she'd like make afghans and make quilts and stuff like that. So they went to the store and they, they fabricated us, me and my sister, Cabbage Patch Kids that look identically like the real one, except that it's, you know, it's fake. You know? <laughs> That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah, so so to this day, packed away in our attic, we still have these, that they're just Cabbage Patch Kids that were kind of, she made. Oh. I mean, you know, the, the head was cloth. It wasn't hard plastic that you can beat a kid to death with, but... <laughs> You know, well then, what's the point? Yeah, no. What the hell? And then it didn't also have that very unique smell that the Cabbage Patch Kids. Had. Yeah, or the backstory. You know, this kid is a. You know, he he came out of the, uh, the you know the freaking uh, Pink House projects in Brooklyn, and <laughs> you know, and uh, you know he's an orphan, and or whatever, he needs you know. Your you know love. I moved. Yeah. I moved to those projects a, a few years ago, and I'm, I'm glad I moved out finally. You were yeah. Where were you were in um, Benson? Not Bensonhurst. East Flatbush. You, I was say you were in East Flat. That East Flatbushes where Christopher Wallace, aka B Smalls, was walking around. <laughs> it was it was quite the experience. That was his turf in the nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so funny that, because funny. um yeah we I remember we shot a uh our we did a short film there a, a sci fi film we were entering into a contest and yes. uh, me and Brian we went and um. Uh, the Empress was there too, Brian's wife, and we all went. And then it, it, we were the only Caucasians in the whole neighborhood. Yep, yep. And yes. uh, you can imagine what it was like when you guys weren't there. I know <laughs> you, you were just walking around, but they—I think they stayed away from us because they just saw us carrying equipment. They just thought we were cops or something like that. It was just we were so out of place. It was, it was welcome so, to my world. It was so funny, and it was—it um, was a unique area too. The projects you said that was where what um, Barbara Streisand lived. Yeah, but that was where she grew up. Yeah, in those in those projects, and then yeah, uh, it's just so funny that we were there. And it was just like, hey, hello, how is everybody doing today? And we were just like, everyone's looking at us like, what the hell? Yeah, you know? pretty much. Gentrification. Yeah. yeah. And then well, then when we go into your place, your place was like a time tunnel. Everything in there was like, it was amazing. All the stuff you had in there and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's funny. If anybody had actually been able to see the inside of my apartment, they probably would have thought very differently of me. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, you were just... And then you, you had... You ran into a whole... Uh, Bunches of problems. Remember, you were getting mail, but you had to go to like a central place to pick the mail up, and you were getting stuff, and it was just, it became so inconvenient for you. No, yeah. that's true. And so I had to get stuff, you know, sent to work, which you know, conveniently is happening again now because somebody's stealing my mail. But that's beside the point. No, jeez, oh, wow. yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, because you you now live in Lower Jersey. Yes, I do. Well, I'm central to Lower Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so franchises, you guys. I mean, you. So we we go from. Let's see, Miko Toys, then we go over to... When did Kenner get the rights? 
Well, Kenner, I mean, I guess they hit their stride in the biggest way thanks to Star Wars, and then they became the go-to for, like, a, I mean, it was them, and um, them, Hasbro, and Mattel, for the longest time, were, like, the trifecta of the three companies that you really didn't want to mess with. Like, they were all at each other's throats. I mean, yet yeah. Mattel had, uh, what was it, Barbie for girls and He-Man for boys. You had Kenner that had... Um, you know, you know, had all that started with Star Wars and then went over to superhero stuff as well. And then you yeah. had Hasbro that was, I believe, GI Joe, uh, I think, right? I think yeah. GI Joe was Hasbro, and then Transformers and all that stuff. So, yeah, like you really, they all had their their corners of the market. And then you'd have little things come along later, like Galoob, who came. Yeah, Galoob had you know those again. They took over the act, the, the 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 superhero stuff, but they also had Micro Machines, which is what they their that was a huge phenomenon. Micro Machines, yeah, that was all Galoob. You had Matchbox and Hot Wheels, of course, but which, yeah, of course. which may have been, I think, you know, some of the other subgenres of the other. Uh, but they kind of like had that. They had that market kind of held down. Uh, Hot Wheels and Matchbox, like they yeah. weren't really going anywhere. As opposed, to you can get you know these kind of other wars with these other bigger companies going for like figurines. No, that's you know. true. And but then I, yeah, go ahead. no, no, and I'm just I'm trying to think. Then like who came out? Like I, you think of like you know when you get Dick Tracy or you get the Ghostbusters toys with the Ecto-1 and, uh, you know, and then, like, you Playmates with the Next Generation or... In, uh, Playmates was Next Generation and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And it's funny because I think it was, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was, was their bread and butter, certainly, but the Next Generation gave them the opportunity to do what they always wanted to do, which was they can make action figures out of the most obscure characters, and really, all they needed was a new head sculpt because they would use... They'd reuse their bodies constantly. And my favorite one ever was they came out with, the first time they came out with Commander Riker as a figure, his uniform was not only had, like, rips in it, but they were molded into the into the body. Yeah. Well, a few years later, they finally decided to come out with what they called first season Riker, who didn't have a beard, and he had a, his, his uniform was intact, except guess what? It still had the, the, the rips in it. That's funny. And then they came out with Thomas Riker, you know, the clone who had a yellow uniform instead of red uniform. And sure enough, his uniform had the molded rips in it that were just painted over. Like, you know, it, this was perfect for them. They could just go off and do a thousand things with, the, with like five or six body types and they were good to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they were quite prolific with the Ninja Turtles, all that stuff they were gearing out there. And they even, it even begot a, didn't they do a crossover between the two? Yes, they did. They did Star Trek-themed Ninja Turtles figures. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then they did the TOS figures, and they did TOS vehicles. And the only thing that I ever had to say about Playmates was Playmates was, I guess it was fantastic with the playsets, don't get me wrong. They were pretty good with their ships, not, not too terrible. Uh, but where they really fell apart, to me, was the props. Yeah, because they couldn't figure out what to do. Their 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 original series communicator was okay. The original series phaser was a little big and clunky. The original series tricorder was smaller than the phaser. Didn't understand that it was supposed to be bigger. You're talking about actual props that, you, as a child, you'd play with, or the the, the, the accessories versions. that would come to the with the toys. No, no, no. I'm talking about playmates did play action. Like they they actually did like phasers. And yes, but phasers. not the not the accessories that come with the toy. The no, 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 not not yeah, those. Yeah. Um, okay. And then they had their uh, next generation communicator, which was like about the size of your hand. And when you press the button, there's like the little red light that happened at the top and it made this weird electronic sound. Because oh, it took yet, batteries, huh? Yeah. 
And then this, you know, the, the same again. That little teeny tiny phaser that I talked about, the, the the solid resin one that I got from the, you know, they came out with one of those that was bigger than your hand. And you're like, what's the going on here? <laughs> what the hell am I going to supposed to do with this, Dad? Exactly. Although yeah. the best one they came out with was the next generation tricorder, which I love to death because it was so cool. It lights and sound, and you make you press buttons and make different noises, and there's a little slide switch at the top to turn the the screen on, and you it, and it was. Of all of them, it was probably the only one that was really sized perfectly and looked pretty damn good. And they even came out with like a medical version where you pull out the little sensor in the top, and it was so cool. Um, that it, that, yeah. that reminds me because you know you have to, you, all these things took batteries, and I, I just suddenly had like a, a memory of some of my earliest memories. Do you guys remember the the toy from the early '80s that were? I don't want to say they were Tonka because, like, you know, you had, you had the awesome proper metal Tonka trucks that would sure. go outside for, you know, playing in the dirt, the construction sets, which were freaking amazing, which I, nowadays are all plastic. And it's like, Jesus, I, I just I long for one of those nice metal dump trucks or the ones with the, you know, like the bucket, you know, that you can, you know, or the crane system where you can with the string, you, you can, you know, bring it in and out. But do you remember the toy that was they were smaller with rubber wheels and you'd put two batteries in and they were like. They were call, they were like trucks, uh, kind of. I mean, bi- I, it's bigger than a matchbox. It okay. still still was in the palm. You could fit in the palm of your hand. I guess as an adult, and it had like a track system you can put them in. So what you do is you just you, you turn it on and you let it go, and it would just drive. And you could and it, it had like rubber spiky wheels, and they were like kind of like um, they're race cars. I think Duke, Dukes of Hazard had a set. Or, and what you can do is they get you like a track set where they kind of put it into like a chute. Okay, and then you turn it on; it would go through the chute on its own, like, and the chute was kind of like a, uh, almost like a accordion kind of a system. Okay, is this? R- I don't. It doesn't sound familiar, but you know, it's funny. You're, you're triggering my mind on something else. Yeah, which was there. Were, there was this. I don't remember. It's what similar the brand to like is. a zip set. Remember, like the you know with, with the evil Knievel, you put him in the yeah, you know, and I, then you I, pull the string out and it would go. You know, it's it's similar to that kind of a thing. I and feel was, sort of like I I, I kind of remember that, but now, like I said, you triggered something else in my head. And one last thing is, I think you can interchange the cabs. You can have the body with the le- with the wheels and where the batteries go but then you could take another you know uh cab and put it on so it's a race car it's a truck you know do hmm. you remember there was a a, a set it was a, a car set and they, hmm. they, they were they were yeah bigger than matchbox but not too you know, maybe like the size of your hand and what would happen is they'd look like normal cars and then you'd press a button and like all of these like um, guns and stuff would pop out from secret compartments, and then uh, and the, the the reason why I remember this in particular is that they, this was a, a long-standing thing. But for some reason, they also got the license to do the A-team van in the same style. Oh my gosh! And I remember you would press down the the, the red spoiler in the back, and first the the the, um, the the front grill would pop down, and these guns would pop out. The front windshield would pop down, and like a, a little gun would pop out the side. The back doors would swing open, and this turret would come out the back. And I feel like these spikes would shoot out the sides. And then I remember there was this very intricate process of like you'd have to fold everything up in just the right order so that it would snap shut, and then the catch would hold it in place. And then it would look like the A-Team van again. But there was, but then the, uh, I remember it was part of a series, and it had nothing to do with the A-Team, but for some reason they got the license to do the A-Team van, and I want to say they even did Faces Corvette the same way. I, I do have a memory. It's, it, it, that almost reminds me of the one-off, remember, the Knight Rider kit. Yes. I mean, that was much bigger, though. But like, you Oh, know, God, yeah. 
But the, I, have, I remember how amazing that was. You'd see the to- you'd see the commercials, and I think you still have yours. I, I it's it's packed away now in storage, but I do absolutely still own it. And you can pull you pull the license plate down, and that's mm-hmm. what made it talk. Yeah, and it was it's that old like mini miniature record player kind of thing that used to come in in the in the dolls. But it, it sounded pretty good, and it had red red reflective tape on the front for the for the scanning scope. Yeah, and it was so. It was so cool. The only thing that, that, that spoiled it was it said Night 2000 on, on both the side doors, and it was like... Yeah. It was painted on there, so, so it wasn't like a sticker that you had to put on. Like, it was permanently there. I remember did Michael Knight come with it, or did you have to buy him separately? No, he came with, okay. and uh, he looked pretty good, and he, he was molded on his wrist, though you couldn't see it too, if you were far away, was the little wrist communicator, too. So, I mean, he, oh, was, wow. he was pretty well detailed in that... Um, uh, pilot episode uh, outfit that he was known for—the red turtleneck with the black leather jacket yeah. and, the, and the jeans—and um, he was tall too, right? He was bigger yeah. than the average bear. Like he was kind of like, uh, yeah. you know, he was bigger than a GI Joe. Say. Oh, oh, absolutely. Which yeah. the, he was even bigger than the superpowers figure uh, figures. Which you know, I, I remember at a certain age, I loved all this stuff so much that I would crossbreed. Uh, genres, of which course, was yeah. always rough when the figures didn't match in size. Yeah, that's that's what I used to do when you know once I got into other franchises with say Batman or whatever, all the henchmen became GI Joes. Right. So like the you know the Joker's gang was all the Cobras or whatever you know or like if I'm playing Die Hard or you know whatever you're playing with like you're saying that you'd have to cross promote everything. Sure. You know. But it was always rough when they weren't the same size, and you just have to be like, I would always do forced perspective. And, <laughs> like, I'd close one eye, and I'd put one further back, and be like, hey, we're the same size. Yeah, freaking Walt Disney over here. You're like, yeah. like, uh, I mean, it, it would I demanded be... realism in my playing, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We're going to record all this right. Uh, I mean, it was hard when you get, like, say, like, remember the cops figures were big, but then even the um, Lone Star were huge. Remember Lone Star? The, it was uh, the yes. Western that took place on the other planet. Yes, and those things were like it's almost. I mean, it, it's 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 completely different, but it reminds me of the remember the wrestling figures that were just a uh, foot tall, just and it was just like a pound of plastic. Yes, and they, were, they were just in that one pose that they ever came. I don't know. There's the, every guy came in a different pose, but then you can they can grapple, but you can beat a, a, a kid to death with those things. <laughs> you know, God. I mean, how heavy they were. Just if you dropped it off a building, that would kill a kid. Well, there's one thing uh, that I remember, and I wish I could remember what the the the, the brand was. I mean, what, what the what what I can't remember what the hell it was about. But it was um, the these toys, and they were wind up. They're like these wind up robots, right? But they yeah. were that you had to put together, and inside the cockpit was like a little teeny tiny, like really small molded figure that you could that you'd pull out. So like these were not robots; they were like giant. Mecca's almost, but that really, kind of that reminds me of something. And w- w- would the yeah. legs and arms be able to be moved to those little guys? Uh, no, because they were so okay. like they were so small that they were almost molded sitting down kind of thing. And oh, they were yeah. they remember like chromatic plastic kind of thing. And again, yeah. these things weren't huge. They, they, these robots. I mean, I want to say they were maybe you know four inches tall, but they, they, you'd wind them up and they would walk forward and do all the stuff. And it's just I, I I don't don't even remember what the brand was or what the the the, the concept was. But I remember just ha- I think I had two of them, and it was just really cool. And what was funny was again I would take the little sitting guy. Because I felt he was perfectly in proportion with my USS Enterprise model, <laughs> and if you remember from Star Trek: The Motion Picture, they'd go out on these, you know, these um, spacesuits. They would perpetually be in sitting positions, which I never understood. And I was like, "Well, this is perfect now. I have a little mini Captain Kirk who's flying out of the Enterprise. Yay!" And like, this is 
again, talk about cross-promotion, but I did, then I'd never use the robots. They would just sort of sit there, and I'd always go to the robot just so I could take the little action figure out of the cockpit. Oh, it was always lovely. Yes. I never had... That was all years... That, by that point, the time that that was going on, I was in high school, and like it was all past me at that point. The Playmates so. toys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what about then, let's see. Uh, do you guys specifically remember, I mean, like, big waves? I mean, you said the, what was it, Teletubbies for you, fur babies? What did you say, Brian? Furbies. Well, no, I said the Furby. The Furby, yeah. I was much older. Like I said, this was the 90s, so I would have been probably In possibly even out of college. Yeah. But um, the Furby is the first toy I remember hearing anything like in the culture in the media or whatever like hearing widespread um, oh this is the this is the toy of the season you have to get this blah 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 now that now over the course of the conversation then you guys mentioned the cabbage patch kids and I know in hindsight I'm supposing something more something applied to that as well and I'm sure other things but I wasn't aware of them until much much later well, that's I, all I was saying there it's amazing to me that when we, we started this thing we were talking about how like that, like you know the Basically, in 77, I guess, Christmas of 77, you'd get, like, a cardboard cutout, you know, promising figures and action sets because they completely run out of, um, yeah. you know, uh, product to be able to give them. I worked in the uh, mid to late 90s. I worked at a toy store, Toy Liquidators, which is now um, – it was actually Toy Works, which was part of Toy Liquidators and KB Toys that all has now gone away. And I was there the Christmas when the N64 came out as well as – uh, when it was Tickle Me Elmo was big, and the is it the the D- Digi Pets? Mm. Were those those ones that were like is the it, yeah. the eggs that you'd have on your keychain? You have to feed them or they die. Oh, was it Tamagotchi? Yeah, Tamagotchi. Oh that. yes. Yeah, I had those were the the huge toys when I was there, and I remember like Christmas Eve, us getting a shipment of N sixty fours in, and I had to be the guy in the truck talking to the truck driver, and the truck driver was really freaky, and he told me the old adage, you know, where he he hasn't slept in twenty hours, and I was like, well, why don't you just take a nap? He's like, you can sleep when you die, boy. And I was like, all right, I got to get out of here now, <laughs> you know. But I remember like Christmas morning, or not? I guess it wasn't Christmas morning. I'm thinking now this was Black Friday, like working it in like. The chaos inside. People just, you know, mothers almost coming to grips to, you know, to get the N64 to, or the Tickle Me Elmo's for their kids that Christmas. Uh, it's insane, just that, that whole aspect of this this Christmas season uh, merchandising campaign that uh, America and the world has kind of forced upon us with going back as far as making, you know, Santa Claus being a Coke product or... Clement Moore making a poem or even, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer being like a copyrighted advertisement, you know? Yeah. That's all I had. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) Again, that's all. um, They were... uh, that that again. That was a little bit later than me. But it's funny that you should that when you mentioned the the, the NES, the the, the Nintendo sixty four, yeah, uh, making its debut and being a, a a big deal. I think maybe that was another. Just to do a quick callback to another earlier uh, uh, question. That was another uh, big one that I that I dreamed of and and wheedled for and never got. And this, again, is dating myself, but Atari 2600. Yeah, that was huge when it came out. Man, did I want one of them. And I was never... like I was never given one but you know even when the the, first Nintendo system came out with the robot which I still never really fully understand like you know it's just gonna do tasks for you I remember those commercials and I was like it just looks so forward-thinking but around that time you had like so many systems you had ColecoVision and you had Atari but then 
after Nintendo kind of took over, around the time of the Super Nintendo, you had like the TurboGrafx-16 or you had the original Genesis, mm-hmm. you know, all those stuff. And a lot of those franchises never really caught on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Jay, you have that book that I have, the which is the uh, History of the Mario, right? Uh, yeah, yes, I do. What's yes. the name of that? I forget the actual title oh. of that. Um, but it, it, it goes through the story of the invention of Mario. And then oh. through that, it also it te- you know, explains... It's called Super Mario. Is it called Super Mario? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'll put a link in the cast to it. It's a great book um, where it just goes through the history, the evolution of where Mario came from, like Donkey Kong and the pinball machines or the early arcades. And it, it gives you a binary history of everything else going on at the time. You know, and I then think, wasn't the, he originally a construction worker, and then he became a plumber? I think is wasn't that one of the yeah. They didn't really know there? what to do with him. It, it was something like that. I mean, the the, the 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 Japanese company who had the the uh, arcade consoles they had made. I forget the name of this. It was like a torpedo game in, in an arcade console, and it completely bombed. And they didn't know what to do with it. So the American um, uh, arm of it here, whoever the, the representative was, was like, listen. We've got about 2,000 of these sitting in like a uh, warehouse in New Jersey. We have two options. We can just scrap it. I'll send them back, and you can try to take the loss. Or if you can come up with like some sort of add-on that I can you know, put into the system already, we can change the logo outside the graphics, and it could be- become something else. And I think that's how Donkey Kong originally came out with that Mario. And, you know, if you're able to get one of those, so they did that. And then whenever those 2,000 machines that were, like, in this warehouse, all weekend the husband and wife of the representative, they, you know, they changed all the things. They put the circuit boards in and all that kind of thing. If you can get one of those original systems that are conversion, it's worth, like, gazillions of dollars. But I think that's actually what he was. He was just like a, he was like a handyman. And that's why he had the the hammer and, you know, they put the mustache so you can just see some definition on his face. You know what I mean? Like that. And uh, it's amazing. So, I have a question for you guys. Okay. Think back into the annals of all the presents you ever got, all the toys, all the whatever it was, books, whatever. What was the most annoying gift? And by the way, this doesn't mean that you didn't like it, but ultimately, which one was the most annoying gift you ever got? You mean as in like um, just confounding that like the, it didn't work like properly? Like frustrating or like... Take your pick, honestly. Whichever one uh, ultimately mm. for some reason vexed you for, for whatever reason. And I'll, if you want, I'll even go first to give you an idea. Okay, go. When I was a kid, of course, I had a lot of Star okay, Wars Okay, you're stuff. done. No, Thank no, you. just kidding. <laughs> Wrong answers. Like the Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Next um, question. Sorry, Jay, go, go, I go. Had, go. I had Star Wars figures. I had Star Wars ships, okay? So I had the X-Wing, which was cool. I had the TIE Fighter, which was cool, because I had the one that you press the buttons and the wings popped off the sides, battle damage. I had even the Millennium Falcon, which was a little big for, you know, a kid that age, but Huge it still was that, pretty that, awesome. It was awesome. But the one entry into all this that I had, which annoyed me, was the um, sh- the Imperial Shuttle Tidarium from uh, Return of the Jedi. Because it, too, was in scale to use with the figures and the cockpit and everything. But this thing was, first of all, so big that they knew you really couldn't fly it around with your own two hands, so they put it a, 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 f- a handle on the bottom with a trigger. <laughs> and what would happen is you would lift it in the air, and when you pr- pull the trigger, the two wings that were on it would fold down. Oh. And again, mm. at that th- at, at that age, this thing was literally half of your size. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, so it was giant. It was. It wasn't like now. Bear in mind, it wasn't like Luke Skywalker playing with the little model T sixteen back in you know New Hope, like a little tiny thing. No, no, this was huge. And I remember it would uh, when I wasn't playing with it, it would be sitting on the floor. 
in in a corner like next to my hamper and like first of all anytime you go to the hamper if you knocked into the shuttle by accident those wings would start to fall down and you'd be yeah. like oh, i gotta get them back up or <laughs> god forbid it would fall over and you and again and i would very rarely play with it because as cool as it was it was a hard thing to lift and like fly around yeah and it was just mm. it seemed like a particularly terrible idea and i loved it to death for what it was and it gave me another ship and another playset, but Oh my God, for the years, and I do mean like four or five years that it was sitting in my room, it was annoying the crap out of me. That's interesting. That actually reminded me of another white whale I had about I always wanted the Imperial Walker, the four legged, you know, from Empire. And, oh, um, yeah, the Adat. Yeah, the Adat, and it was just. You know, I had the I mean, ATST was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, even the smaller one was. Yeah, but it, that I'm, one I had. Now the, the the Imperial Walker, you'd put batteries in that thing, would, that sucker would walk a little bit, wouldn't it? Like, you know. Yeah, like, I think so. And, and I don't know how accurate it was if it actually was able to walk around properly i guess annoying wise i guess i can't think of anything per se and i'm sure i can once i like you know and say goodbye to you guys and get in the shower and like oh yeah you know but i guess offhand would probably probably be like like i said before was the optimus prime i remember him like breaking as soon as i got him like an hour later and i'm and i the people i've talked to other people who've had this issue where like you know his legs would break off when you try you know you it, it wasn't just durable for transforming all that much so a lot of times stuff would snap and i feel like there's other ones that were that would break easily that they just weren't constructed properly um i mean you, you know you think about gi joes i used to play with gi joes all the time and that was mm. one of the most annoying things but if, if the damn thumb would break and then suddenly you can't he can't hold a weapon anymore Oh and yeah, that, that would be pretty. That, that's pretty terrible. You know, I mean, and um, th- this was something where you think about maybe they should sell replacement parts or something, or you know, just new arms or new. I guess they just wanted you to go out and buy a new figure, but like you know, they never really like with the rubber bands. You know, like when your GI Joe would break, yeah. you have to go open the, with like an eyeglass screwdriver, take the back off, and then you know, try to hook the rubber band around the the, the, the little hook for his legs and get him back in the, the the torso area. So I guess when that happened a lot, but. Um, I can't think of offhand anything that was just. I'm sure there was a lot of like idiotic designs. Well, I'll tell I'll tell a couple of stories here, um, and I'm going to cheat a little because only one of these is an actual Christmas gift. Okay. Um, but when I was in fifth grade, see, I'm give, I'm gonna I'm gonna riff here. I'm gonna give you time to think, D. Okay. I'm giving you giving you a break. <laughs> um, when I was when I was in fifth grade, um, my friends uh, at that time, um, I'll tell I'll, I'll the, the the story goes, um, after uh, after my fourth grade year, a different grammar school in my town closed. So when we all got to fifth grade. Um, a number of the students from that school had gotten folded into um, our class. So there were all the new kids from the other school who were hanging around. And a couple of them, a couple of the new kids, I just, I bonded with instantly, became like my best friends immediately. And they uh, turned me on to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, So that was my discovery. And then, you know, for the rest of my teenage years, you know, I was a big Dungeons and Dragons guy. So from that point on, pretty much, um, a lot of my desires, stated desires, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, a lot of my desires were for D&D stuff. And the two most memorably frustrating gift um, experiences I ever had both had to do with that. One was uh, shortly after I got into it, you know, this was way back in the, the, the first wave of stuff when um, pre-written, pre packaged D&D adventures 
um, uh, were called modules. Yeah. And they looked like, you know, folders or booklets. And you bought them at the toy store or whatever. And I wanted as many of them as I could get my grubby little paws on. And I don't know why, except that that's what you did. You got modules. You know, I wasn't dungeon mastering, so I didn't need these modules to play with other people. But I suppose I was hoarding them on the off chance or whatever. And I remember for Christmas one year, um, I received a... um, Now, no one else in my family play you know understood the D thing at all they just they weren't they weren't into it and so they didn't really get like the, the they didn't they didn't understand it the way i did so i remember getting um uh one year uh a module i don't even remember which one it was but it was for a very um advanced party like on the cover of it it said for player characters levels 9 to 13 which was like the most conceivably advanced uh, characters um, you've you've ever uh, you know and and in my entire lifetime of playing D and D, I've never gotten any of the characters I've played that advanced. So, which meant that at the time I kind of knew, and at the time, um, and in hindsight, it has been confirmed that that module was essentially useless to me. Oh no! Um, for that reason, um, and my younger brother had given it to me, and because I was young, I was a kid, and I was a jerk. I was completely ungrateful, and I made him cry. And I, to this day, I remember it clearly, and I regret it horribly. And it was like possibly one of my worst moments as a human being, really, um, ever in my life. So that was one. And the other one that I will say is, and this is also uh, Dungeons and Dragons related, um, is the other thing that I desperately, desperately wanted. They had an electronic Dungeons and Dragons game, which was like this tabletop sort of. I mean, it was plastic, and it had, like, these little squares on the top, and you turned it on, and then what happened is is when you pressed the little um, metal figurines that you had down on any of the given squares, it would, like, make noises to tell you what happened, like, you know, whatever, you know, and I thought this was the coolest thing ever, so I got it. This has no relation to the cartoon that they made. Didn't they make a cartoon? Well, the, the cartoon was based on the game. Yeah. So it has a relation, but, you know... Um, only um, uh, the other way around. Okay. Um, and then um, the the game. I got the. I finally got the game. And first of all, like the 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 like I was I was I forget. I, I had had it for like a day or two, and then I did something I wasn't supposed to, and as punishment, my mother took the game from me and held onto it for a month. Ooh, Ooh what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd I don't do? even do? remember, do? dude. Come this on, was, you do? This was a remember, lifetime ago. Yes, you do. What'd you do? And secondly, and secondly, when I finally got it back, um, I couldn't find anyone who was willing to play it with me. Oh. So, like, I wanted it, wanted it, wanted it so bad, so bad, so bad. And it's so the kind bad, of game so where you bad. need to have a second player to play. Yeah, and, 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 and I don't think I ever actually got to use the damn thing. For real. So that was number two. One more quick... <sighs> postscript this is not a toy per se but it is and it was the most annoying thing um i'm sure you both remember the cult classic i used the word in in air quotes that you can't say but um the cult classic movie crawl yeah from 1983 yeah well i saw that movie and i thought it was the ginchiest thing my 11 year old mind had ever seen in its life so i decided i needed a glaive 
of my own for those that don't oh. know the glaive was like the coolest thing in the movie it was the hero's five-armed boomerang thing with blades and it was friggin boomerang awesome. like throwing star thing <laughs> yeah, yeah it was but it was big it wasn't like a little shuriken throwing star like a ninja thing it was like like a big thing and it was like oh, the God, coolest yes. thing i'd oh, ever seen so cool. i was it was so cool we so need i to decided, include a picture of that in this post yeah. i had to have one it's not like the kids who wanted the phantasm ball so you wanted this thing <laughs> i wanted this, this thing, thing but was amazing they didn't, I don't. I don't remember if they even made a toy of it or whatever. For whatever I reason, I can't imagine like they would. Getting yeah, right. So well, getting back in the one, 80s, they, they probably would. Getting one was like not really an option. So I made one wow. out of cardboard. That's great. And I proceeded like no matter how much I tried, like to my eleven-year-old mind. It was the, exactly the right shape. So as I threw it, it should absolutely act like a boomerang and come back to me. And it didn't. And oh. it was like it was it was it was like so disillusioning. It was like reality, cold the cold water of reality slapping me in the face. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. That was an annoying toy. Although I have only myself to blame because I made it myself. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? I, you know, I I still can't. I've been thinking, racking my brain. I can't think of anything per se. And I know I'm gonna as soon as we we, we end this, this podcast, I'm gonna come up with something. But I just can't think of. Anything per se that was so annoying. I mean, I remember having just a lot of frustration, say, like, you know, painting models and then it not coming out the right way or they weren't, they're not sticking together or, or, like, stuff that you're just like, Jesus, this can't possibly put be put together the way they want it to be. <laughs> but I can't remember per se any kind of toys that would just foul up and not work properly. Um, darn, I really can't think of anything. Just, I mean, look uh, on that on the on the Imperial shuttle, uh, you know, train of thought. The second runner-up, um, <laughs> be- because the most annoying is <laughs> toy in the world. No, because because was, Jay holds on to his toy grudges. No, no, it, <laughs> look, one honestly, because this one was really cool, but at the same time had a rather simple flaw in it. Was the speeder bikes from uh, Return of the Jedi, which were really cool because you could put your figure on them and and mm-hmm. you know uh, you. you and it's very small and compact to go. It was perfectly in scale. And then there was this little button on the back that you would press and it would explode. Oh, yes, I remember that. And there were two minor problems with this design. First was that, like most spring loaded things, if not done quite right, it would just randomly explode on its own. And you'd be like, well, that's not right. Yeah, it was or, an IED. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, conversely, uh, because it was exactly where you would hold on to the speeder bike when you were playing with it, your thumb would just slip and hit it. And again, it would randomly explode. Yeah. And you'd be <laughs> like, well, there was that's an end to a chase that I really wasn't hoping for. <laughs> yes. So, so, oops. But again, it was incredibly cool because it was perfectly in scale and it was really well detailed and perfectly well done, except for that one minor design flaw. That's yeah. so funny. And there, it even I'd... sat on its back legs perfectly. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, uh, for the life of me, I feel like there's so many that I remember, but I can't just think of at the top of my head of stuff that it was just, just you know, that's that's really confining or just just really frustrated. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember like having like Matchbox and having like a garage and like you know, um, you know, you, it was like one of those ones where it had like two floors, so you'd put like the the car into the to the elevator and then you'd pull the elevator up, and I remember that. You know the the little metal chain system coming off the you know the wheel, and then you can't get it back on the gear, and it and it's kind of just jam there, and you're like you know this this sucks, but nothing 
I, I know there's going to be something where as soon as we're done, I'm going to call you guys back and be like, that, that was it. <laughs> so, and we'll be like, we're done podcasting, Dan. We don't yeah, care. I still want to tell you, though. I still remember. <laughs> so, well, well, here, I'll give you a little bit more time to think of this just as I go through two you'll, toys. You'll, you'll, you'll call me, Dion, and I'll be like, um, and you are? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this again? And this is in relation to? Yeah. And what is this about again? <laughs> uh, I'll give, I, I want, there are two toys I want to mention having as a kid that I, I, I really just, I think, they, they, don't, they don't fall into the category of gifts because I think I sort of inherited them. Okay. Okay. But they were just so amazing that I, I don't want to go through this uh, cast without mentioning them real quick. First was a toy called the Star Trek Phaser Battle game. And it was literally, it was like this cabinet game that, that, that was portable. It was supposed to run on either batteries, I think, or on an AC adapter that came with it. And it was an electronic game. And there was this uh, a joystick in the front that you would slide back and forth. This was actually made by Mego. It was a sli- slide... Um, joystick in the front and in the when you turn it on you would see like these Klingon ships would appear and they would and you would have to slide the joystick over with a targeting scope so you could shoot them mm. but at the mm. same time they would shoot at you and you had these two buttons on the side and so there, an alarm would go off to say they were shooting you and there were these two buttons for the deflectors and you had to hit the deflectors to make sure that they didn't destroy you yeah and it was really cool because, you know, and it would keep track of your score and all sorts of that was pretty damn cool. Unfortunately, it was a little loud because there was a motor inside that would help run this thing. And, of course, the electronic sounds. So it's not something you could play with all the time, but it was pretty cool. And then secondly, um, and this was for Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, I don't remember the name of the company, but they came out with essentially a laser tag set using the phasers from Star Trek, the motion picture. But in, again, like. There were no vests or anything. What you were literally aiming at was the other person's phaser. There were two phasers. And you had to hit it square in the front because there were deflectors on either side. And so if you didn't hit it square in the front, the shot would ricochet off the other phaser. And you'd hear it. And it would do all this stuff. And if you hit it three times, you know, it would uh, make an explosion sound, which was really cool. And I really loved that. And they, were, and they looked good. They weren't like, you know, I mean, they were toy plastic, but they were colored right and they were shaped right and uh i mean they were they were about as accurate as you could get for something at that time i was i was blown away by that kind of thing well you know in when you to, to start wrapping this bring this bad boy home when you were saying your first point there i actually came up with an idea and then you kind of hit it on the nail on the head with the second one you said there i remember having a toy um remember when laser tag was huge then Sure. And mm. everyone loved laser tag. My parents went out and bought me like not laser tag, but they bought me like the cheaper version. And it was called Phase Force. Yes, oh. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like the bastard step cousin to laser tag. It was this Phase Force thing, and it was it came with a, a futuristic like you know handgun that looked like like a phaser, um, but it was more of a style of a handgun. And then you'd have a vest to wear, and I think you'd even have something on your forehead to wear like a like a uh, uh, you know something that would go on your head. And then you might have even had something else. But the problem with it was nobody in my neighborhood had another phase force, and you only came with one gun. So I guess the most frustrating thing Uh. is, like, you know, you can't really play with yourself with that kind of a thing because you're just going to shoot yourself. So, like, you know. (laughs) You'll shoot your eye out, Yeah, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. So I guess, you know, I I don't remember. I think you'd you'd wear the vest, and then you'd wear, like, the bandana or whatever it was on top of your head, and then you'd have the gun, and maybe the other thing that came with the... I have a picture of the original box set, so I'll, I'll, I'll... included as an extra on the cast it's like they gave you like a box maybe you'd put on the other side of the room that you'd shoot at and it was you know it was, it was the same principle as the laser tag but it, you know if, if nobody had that in your neighborhood you couldn't go run around and actually truly experience the full 
you know, glory of, you know, playing that, you know, futuristic cops and robbers or cowboys and Indians, which kind of sucked, you know. It, it reminds me, remember Captain Power, the uh, old... Uh, I, I remember that such a thing existed. Yeah, it was like there was a TV show and it, when it, and it blended live action with really, really basic rudimentary CGI at the time. Mm-hmm. And at the time it looked revolutionary, but now I'm sure it's very dated. But the toy line, and it was a post-apocalyptic world, and, and but the toys were that you'd have to... Tr- and the marketing campaign, I remember amazingly like it was it would be like a like a julia child's s kind of a commercial of a woman baking and then it would start fuzzing away and all of a sudden someone would come in and he's trying to break you know it's like it was like he's jamming the signal to tell you and he's in a, a spaceship and i remember being fascinated with this commercial and telling my dad and my dad's like well maybe someone is trying to contact us i'm like whoa maybe there is dad you know and he's just like you know egging me on and it ended up being this show and i remember that the uh one of the aspects of it was the toys you'd have the gun do you remember this? And it was you get the tape and you put the tape in and you can shoot it at the TV screen. Oh, wait. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. And then you, it would be you, you you just start shooting like the bad guy. You put the tape in and, and whatever the the uh, the short would happen and then the bad guy would come into play and you'd, you'd have like your – the gun would be like the uh, small like, like, like destroyer or, or, or like um, – uh, jet fighter aspect of it in the in the figure would be in the cockpit and then you'd shut the cockpit and then you'd the bottom of it had like a like a hand grip and that would be like kind of like the gun and you'd fly it around and then when you'd watch this video you'd have an infrared ray and you'd shoot it at the tv screen and then i don't know you'd hit him and i guess you would think it, it would end the same way every time since you're just putting a videotape in. yeah i was then, just trying to figure out how that works but then other times it would shoot at you back supposedly and then like you know after a minute or two your your uh, figure would be ejected out. He'd pop out of the, you know, the cockpit would fly open and he'd, he'd fall out with the chair. And that's, that's awesome. when you were shot. So um, I don't know how that ended up actually working, um, you know, actually in the real world. If it was just like every couple, you know, clicks, it would, you know, register a bang or whatever, or how it, you know, maybe you didn't even have to shoot it at the TV screen. You know, I, I doubt in, in actuality anything was really happening that was changing the outcome. So did you guys ever have any of those VHS based board games? No, not me. No, I had actually. There was a Star Trek: The Next Generation interactive one, where it was a board game, and you'd have to play the VHS tape while it was happening. And essentially, uh, a Klingon would uh, took over the Enterprise. The Next Generation Enterprise took over the Enterprise, and wow. you had like an hour to get to make it through to regain control of the ship. And so you'd play the board game aspect, and every once in a while, the Klingon would pop up and say, you, you've got this pro, you go back three spaces, or or, you go ahead two spaces, or whatever, and he would tell you what's going on, and it would, because the game was playing concurrent to when the tape was going on, it was always a different person each time, they would wind up having a different problem, and a different thing, and it was like, it was actually pretty cool, and sometimes you'd win, and sometimes you'd lose, and I just, it boggled my mind. That yes, it was based, like you said, it's based on a VHS tape. Like, there's no real wiggle room there. It's not like it's going to change the next time you play it, and yet somehow... But I, I guess at the time you thought it was going to be, like, the conclusion was uh, up to you, you know? Right. Yeah, like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like we can go on for hours and hours we with this can. whole thing. Yes. You know? I think we have, too. Yeah, I, I think you're right, too. Um, maybe next time I will be the proper moderator and try to, like, actually have us go through, like, a... Uh, a specific kind of a category, but I, I think we what were kind so of fun with that? Be? Exactly, it's 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 broad here. We're just picking the minds of all the old retro toys and remembering the childhood that I still to this day. I was just talking about this in another podcast where it's just like I was at the toy store. I don't know, maybe in the summertime with my niece, and it's like how 
it's unbelievable how expensive stuff is nowadays and how shitty oh, yeah. it's, it's. You know, I was looking at a. It was like a Batman sixty six Batmobile with Robin and Batman, and it was over a hundred dollars or something. And I was like, or, or maybe it was like eighty or ninety. And I was like, that's just. You know, back in the day, this would have been like thirty bucks for us. But oh, yeah. the funny thing about that is, back in the day, you couldn't get a '66 Batmobile. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. They get you because it's like the the niches that it's it's you know like they have the like it looks like Mulder and Scully or whoever they're trying to you know look it after and it's and then like even GI Joes are like ten dollars a pop if you can even find a GI Joe nowadays. You know, so everything with the inflation marked up, and then I just can't imagine collecting for a kid nowadays. Like if he wants to. You know, play with I don't know whatever kids play with nowadays. The franchise, you know, uh, even Transformers don't even seem like you know the old reliable things of the old days. Those are those are all all those things that you're mentioning. It's sad to say these days are aimed at older, yeah, uh, at, at young adults and 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 nostalgia oriented people hey. like us kids. You you say what are the kids playing with today? Their iPhones. Yeah, hey, honestly, true. to this day, I am still finding toys that I want that I that some of them that I buy because they're just really cool and there's nothing you know I I they either that I wish that I had when I was a kid or or that I would have had when I was a kid and they were just they're just awesome yeah you know and and yes okay the 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 genres have changed or the franchises have changed or whatever but you know it's still a good time to be a kid if you're the right kind of kid. I know. It's, 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 there's good stuff out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, we're at the time in our lives where th- there was a little resurgence there where it probably, if you wanted to sell your toys or buy the toys from your childhood, there was a really good tr- run there where you can get them. And it's like, I used to see, feel like I had a little more expendable income. But now that I'm married and I'm boggled down with debt and other things, it's like I, I want to get back to being able to go and, you know, occasionally buy stuff on eBay, buy that toy I never had or, mm-hmm. you know, because then it's another thing is like I buy the damn thing and then I have to just like file it away in my closet. My wife's like, you're not keeping that out. And like, when I want to, okay, you know, so it's like, uh, so I mean, one of the <laughs> coolest things like um, another, I, uh, the last white whale I have was like, remember when the Dick Tracy movie came out along with the figures, they had those really cool 40 sedans. And they had one that was a black and white cop car, and the one was like the big boy gangster car. And I always wanted them. And then one year for Christmas, my wife got me them. So I had original in the box, each one, a cop car and a crook's car. So, Jesus, I couldn't say that night I got hammered off of freaking um, uh, uh, eggnog, and I was under the tree with the, playing with all my G.I. Joes and the, and the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the train going around and the Lionel train. And I was, I was you know, I played all night long there. A little embarrassing, but I loved it. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, not that's what all. we must do. We must get back to our childhood every once in a while. Uh, yes. Brian Zeno, thank you so much. Nah, my, it was absolutely my pleasure. And uh, don't forget, like the old Polish proverb goes, you can read all the books in the library, my son, but the cheese will still stink after four days. Yes, exactly. Who knows what that even means? <laughs> God bless uh, uh, Banachek. Mr. Banachek. Banachek. I was going to say, is his, is his first name Carl Banachek? I'm thinking of Thomas. Thomas. I'm thinking of Carl Kolchak, but that's a completely yes, different the Night Stalker. The Night Stalker. God bless Darren McGavin. Jay Marcus, mm. thank you so very much. Thank you very much for having me. You know, it's I really do like what you've done with the place thank you thank you yeah you know i try to keep it up you know it's 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 hard because it's just airy it's very spacey you know um do you guys have anything you want to plug um uh, give me a give a listen i uh sidekick occasionally listen. for my 
I get uh, well. What I was, I'm, I'm restarting the sentence over and over and over because that's what I do. It is. Um, I sidekick occasionally for my uh, friend Al Sedano on his podcast Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos, Thanos podcast, which uh, focuses on two of the coolest but lesser known characters from 1970s Marvel comics. And every so often, uh, I will uh, join him for a podcast. So definitely give that one a listen because it's a lot of fun. The uh, web address is um, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Okay. And uh, you can hear him there, and uh, you can hear me there on occasion. Okay. Jay, you have anything? We're going to include your little uh, featurette of you getting your stuff price, which is amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just you know, check out the video, and you can see all the, the really cool stuff that's, uh, that I surround myself with, voluntarily, I might add. And, yeah. And uh, the, the, the very, you know, most people you know, think that I, I, I'm making it all up. But no, this stuff is real, and it actually is uh, surrounding me. It none of, I don't know if it comes to life when I'm not around, but it, it certainly is, uh, you know, it, it's home. Yeah, it's it's certainly amazing. Your your collection is amazing and uh, impressive to say the least, and it's so encompassing. It's like it brings everyone back to their child. You're like the, like the Forrest Ackerman of our age, Aww, <laughs> you know. That, and, and I mean that so in such a, the most loving and endearing way. It's it's so that's amazing. An excellent. Well, well said, sir. Well said. Not many. That's a reference that not many will get. Yeah, it's it, true. It's very true. But it's 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 literally when you go over your house, you have everything from Star Trek: Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea to Zorro to uh, RoboCop to uh, Men in Black to Star Trek to the Time Machine, the, the Day the Earth machine, Stood the, Still. Yeah, all kind. Klaatu. You have all kinds of stuff. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. <laughs> See, yeah, but I gotta tell you, that's I, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And it's, it's one of the things that he said when he was here that that struck him was that he couldn't believe you know the breadth of you know the the variety of of uh, genres and, and and franchises that are that are represented here. And, you you're know, the historian touch, that came to your house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was, and you know when you impress the professional, you know you're doing something right. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty and good. I also want to plug that we have a whole um, huge back catalog of the podcast.com, yes. The three yes. of us. If, if um, you've dug this, <laughs> yeah, we're inter- we're internet know it alls, and uh, we have a regular podcast we were doing. Um, that was weekly as well as that has tremendous back episodes a back catalog as well as we had a lot of great specials yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun good stuff good yeah. stuff there yeah, definitely had- go check that out and, and uh, let us know what you think because you know what the hey it's you know you know, yeah. we're, we're always up to hear what you thought of stuff we once said yeah we yes. have a twitter account we're at podwits.com and we have a facebook page podwits and um you know and, it's- and do you know what all that has in common uh, it's free. That's right. <laughs> yes. It's free. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes, and we're it connected is. To, to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That's the big yes, connection yes. here. It's uh, mm-hmm. y- the origin of spanning out. Um, you know, you can find my stuff Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That's the origin- original web page address is Saturday Sleepovers at Podwitz dot com. And uh, there's a Facebook page, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, as well as the Twitter page is at Sat Sleepovers. And we're on iTunes and, uh, you know, all the different stuff. I mean, if you're listening here, you've already found us. So, yeah, Uh, you know, I love you very much. I want you to know that. But I just have have to ask, do you ever get worried that somebody's going to accidentally go to at Sad Sleepovers, which is a very different Twitter account? (laughs) (laughs) It's all the troubling (laughs) kids growing up, the confessionals of what happened at Sleepovers, you know, with. Oh, that's just terrible. No, I have. 
haven't thought of that. But maybe the VCR someone... broke and we couldn't watch the movie. Well, I was thinking so we were more all like staring at each other. <laughs> I was thinking more like you slept over at your friend's house, and then at night, mom, or, their mom or dad came to talk to you, and it got really weird. <laughs> so, and that I got was very cold. uncomfortable. Yeah, very dirty. Very. I never went back to Sandy's house after that. But um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you so much. We must do this again. Yes, we must. This was exciting. I love um, you know having us um, mince. Uh, I was going to say mince words. <laughs> mince words. <laughs> Break bread. I'm reasonably sure no words were minced yeah. here. I'm going to go we on record as saying that. Either, by the way, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, I, I feel like we were you know we were around the houses quite a bit. You know, but that's what we do. It's fun. We always like to reminisce. And, yes. You know, yep. and have yep. a good time. Uh, good times cool. hand by all. So. Uh, we'll see everybody soon and keep on listening because there'll be another one coming out very shortly with uh, Santa Cruz Sleepovers. Thank you. You know they're soldiers of fortune. They're the Helping people in need. You can pretend that you're Hannibal, Murdoch, or Face, or maybe B.A. Baracus. You know each one is an ace. Each is sold separately with rifle and gear. If there's trouble to face, you know the A-Team's here. They're the A-Team. The A-Team. Murdoch, Hannibal, Face, and B.A. Baracus. Each is sold separately by the loot. It's intrigue on the high seas, as Dobbler discovers it's his fiance that goes missing aboard the luxury cruise ship, the Badongus, as a vacation to Mexico. Will Dr. Sylvia intervene? Mystery lay a course ahead in tonight's episode of Protocol. Do you remember those warm summer nights when the breeze was a blowing and the crickets were a chirping and the buzzsaw was a buzzing? And the eggs, they were a-frying, and the coke was a-fizzin', and the baby was a-cryin', and the rocks, they were a-slidin'. You know, it's a miracle what you can do with sound effects these days, huh? Support your local Foley artists today. Since the Cosmic Meteor Swarm gave 75% of the world's superpowers, the other 25% has been ridiculed and abused. Are you tired of being the only one of your friends who isn't an alien or mutant who can fly and shoot laser beams? If so, the Wayne McBruce School of Non-Powered Superheroic Excellence can help. Our comprehensive course covers all the bases, from the latest in techno-gadgetry-based escape artistry to ninja combat tactics to costume aesthetics. At the Wayne McBruce School of Non-Powered Superheroic Excellence, we'll help you fit in, and soon you too can be kicking ass with your friends. Call today. Don't forget to check out the Podwits on podwits.com, Twitter, Facebook or iTunes. Remember, it's free.